Okay, hello. Hopefully we are live on Facebook. Welcome to the first Pink and Live. We're trying out Zoom. You know, a year ago, none of us had even heard of Zoom, let alone coronavirus. And I've never heard of furlough. Yeah. <laughs> never heard of a lot of things. How much the world words has we changed. Heard of. There's, there's, there's a feature, words yeah. we haven't heard of. Quiz. <laughs> but um, we are giving this uh, a go. We, we would love at some point to be able um, to, to hold this event in real life and, and actually hold it in a pub or something like that after a City game uh, and catch up with, with Norwich fans, chat, chat about the game, have a beer um, and just be a bit more informal than we normally are on the podcast, um, have a bit of fun. So um, this is our first uh, toe in the water towards that direction, really, while we all still have to socially distance and, and speak to each other's other each other over Zoom. Um, I am Dave Frieza. You should be able to see our names in the, the bottom corner. Uh, at the moment on the screen, we've got Paddy Davitt, Connor Southwell and Chris Lakey. We should be being joined by some of our colleagues uh, throughout the event tonight. We'll probably be with you for about the length of a football match for about 90 minutes. Um, they will probably come through on audio. Um, just to sort of confirm the, the running order of how, of how this is, is going to work, if you would like to ask a question, there's the chat function at the bottom of the screen. Uh, producer Tony Thrussell is in the background. He'll be there uh, letting us know who's uh, due to come in, who wants to ask a question and then we'll uh, just, uh, uh, he'll um, mute your mic uh, and let you uh, join the conversation at that point. Um, but for now, um, I think we're, we're ready to, to crack on. Um, we're using the hashtag pink and live on Twitter. If you would uh, like to post on there, let us know where you're watching from. And we are encouraging everyone to have a beer ready. Um, I'm on the brew dog tonight. So um, let us know. I, 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 didn't, I didn't get that memo. I've got to hide no. other water. I didn't get that one either. Sorry, that, that was the number one number one bulletin point. I think when we first started this process, this is what you do on away days. Yeah, you got to cater for all 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 manner of tastes. Southwell, he's a non-alcoholic drinker. What have you got, man? Uh, yeah, he also doesn't have curry, curry, does he? I've I've gone I've gone down a pub vibe. I've just gone orange juice. Yeah, it's, it's not curry night. night. <laughs> Right, what I'm going to do then um, is I'm going to kick off by coming round to you chaps and I'm going to get some predictions. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, when are you going to finish and who is going to be player of the season? Uh, so, so nice and easy. Um, I'll, as I'm putting you on the spot, I'll give you my, my predictions first. Although I'm not, I can't settle on, on player of the season. I'm really not too sure. But I'm going to go fourth. I think it's going to be playoffs. I think it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster ride and that they're going to have to do it the hard way. Um, and for player of the season, it's difficult as we sit here today without knowing kind of what the final squad is after the transfer deadline, isn't it? Um, but I'm going to go Kieran Dowell. I, I've got a feeling that he's going to be, um, he's got going to be a bit of a favorite. So Pad, as group football editor, I'm going to have to come to you first on this one, your predictions. You've just stolen me thunder. I mean, you've only got like 35 players or whatever. You have to pick the same one I'm going to pick. But uh, <laughs> because because if Dal does what, what we hope both clearly uh, he does do, then I think Norwich are going to be pretty close. Uh, I'm going to say second. I think um, all the all the resource there will get into it in far more depth as we go along. But uh, but Dal, um, from what I've seen already, he, he offers a little bit of what they didn't have in that number 10 attacking role last season. And if he can really be embedded early on and really feel he's part of, of this side because that's essentially why he's come. 
He's obviously bounced around, series of loan spells, never quite made it at Everton. He wants to be the main man somewhere. If he's the main man here this season, I think Norwich are going up. There you go. That's big, big call. Connor, liking the shirt. We we, we briefed you on this properly, didn't we? That um, <laughs> You wore this in a, in a recent pod and it had to be worn at the live event. Um, over to you with your, uh, with your predictions. Yeah, so I'm in a similar camp to Paddy, actually. I think that, and, and my, I've kind of gone 360. So I started off a couple of weeks ago thinking it was going to be top two. And then last week sort of had a, a little bit of doubt where I thought maybe it's going to be a bit more tough. And now I've sort of gone back to, to thinking that in, everything's going to be okay again. Um, in terms of player of the season, that's difficult. I, I'm going to go for Ollie Skip, I think. Uh, someone a bit different. I've liked the look of him in pre-season. Um, I'm sort of a sucker for a, a midfielder like that anyway. So he's right up my street. And um, yeah, hopefully he can deliver. I've got an, a, a good feeling about him. He's, um, he's He's been decent in the games he's played so far. And uh, also for, for those who've sort of been watching the Spurs documentary, he's like an extra in that. So I'm hoping he's going to come out and, <laughs> and make a leading role in Norwich City's season. There you go. That's, that's my... Uh, that's my my predictions for you. Now, I want to keep a note of these, actually. So let me just double back. Uh, so, Pad, what position did you say again? Never, I'm never committing anything to pen and paper, Dave. Surely not. You'll, be, <laughs> you'll have me down, back to rights. But I might have mentioned second. Second. And I, I think you'll find there might be a 32-page supplement in the papers tomorrow, which might tie you slightly more, <laughs> which I'm sure Mr. Lakey is going to tell us all about. Hello, Mark and Clark as well. Um, Hi, guys. Welcome to the fun. Uh, Connor, sorry, what position were you as well? Um... I did. I, I said top you two. I'll go. I'll go first. You're going first. Oh, the first one. Brave man. Brave man. Right. Well, hopefully, Mark and Ian, you you heard uh, where we're going with this. So you got. Uh, you just got a minute to, to sort of think about position where it's going to be and player of the season prediction. But Mr. Lakey, if I come to you next, blatant plug. Yes, we have got 32 pages up. Yes, I did take predictions from everyone, including myself. No, I can't remember what I predicted. Um, I certainly am not as optimistic as you. I think I said fifth and not going up for Norwich. Player of the season, the further forward it is, the more happy I'd be. I think Jordan Hugill, because I think fans will take to him. I think he's got a bit of character and I think he's got a few goals in him. Um, yeah, fifth and Hugill. Right, fifth and Hugill. All right. Um, well, if, if Hugo is player of the season, that's going to be quite the story, isn't it? Right. Um, Mark, where are you at? Well, I've just been reading Mr. Lakey's 32-page uh, sup, another blatant plug, uh, I might add. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think they're going to finish second. Uh, I think they're going to go up. Um, I just, I, you know, I think it might be a bit bumpy to start with, uh, seeing as, you know, they've not had a lot, lot of preparation time, as a lot of clubs haven't, and they've got, they've got to get that sort of losing mentality out of their system. But So I think fans are going to have to be patient for, for the first few games at least, that it will settle down. And my player of the season, I think it's got to be Pookie for me. I think I think he's going to, he's going to come round again and... He's, you know, at this level, there aren't many better, are there, really, if he gets back to the form that he showed early in the Premier League season and obviously the Championship winning season. The quality's there. Um, you look at the sort of ammunition he's going to be provided with by some of those players he's got around him. He's going to be pushed by Hugel this season, hopefully. I just, I can't see beyond, beyond the go. Well, I'm sure we'll all hope you're right, because that, again... <laughs> What a story that would be if Timmy Pookie can reignite. And what I like about Pookie as well, or the, or the potential thing that I like with Pookie, is that 
if he were to score 20 goals, say, this season, then he's literally going to be right up there in the all-time scoring charts. He's going to be sort of 25th, something like that. He's going to be really moving into the sort of legend territory. So, but yeah, that would be a great story. Um, right, the King of Deerham joins us. Todd Cantwell's icon. Um, <laughs> Live from Deerham, funnily enough. <laughs> Clarky, what, where are you going? Uh, I'm going second as well. Now I've 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 committed that in in the very great 32-page supplement in tomorrow's EDP and Evening News. Um, now with with because I've no one else has said who they think is going to be top, but I think Brentford are going to be top. Although Watkins gone, that might change. I'm not, I'm not going to start saying I'm going to alter my mind. So I still think second. Um, it is going to be a bit up and down. I think a key a, a good start is key, which I think we might get. Um, for me, it's the, the depth and the, the number of players in different positions, so in the same position, that's going to keep everyone on the toes, which I think is great. So second for me, potentially lots of contenders. I, I wouldn't argue with any of the, the options that have been put forward, but it's Dowell for me. What I've seen is that quality he brings in that, in that really key role. And I think modern football, that number 10 is such an important position. So if we can get it right, if Dowell can click and really shine in that role, He's going to rock and roll, so he's my man. Three for Dell, then. I mean, he likes a shot from the edge of the box, doesn't he? So there's there's immediately that sort of potential for um, for him to be a bit of a Madison, isn't there? But um, right, um, for we know we've got people sort of waiting to uh, ask a question. We will come to you guys uh, shortly. We're just sort of getting going um, for the time being. We will uh, come to that shortly. If you're watching on Facebook as well, Connor is Mr. Facebook tonight. Um, if you if you want to comment on there uh, or put any questions, we'll come to Connor a few times throughout the night, and he'll he'll keep us up to date with with what you guys are saying on Facebook as well. And we've got a little bit of a prize draw uh, for you, which we'll, we'll, we'll use as about half time. It'll be like our, our version of the, uh, whatever it's called, the Tampa Bay <laughs> Enterti- entertainment at half time. Um, there's a, a little prize to give away. No, it's, you know, it's not a Lamborghini or anything, I'm afraid, but um, I think oh, it's well, still really. <laughs> <laughs> And um, we, uh, we've got um, a little bit of an announcement which sort of ties in to that as well. Um, right, chaps, uh, let's, um, I just want to kick off really by coming to Paddy about Germany and pre-season because um, in this most of un- unusual of football years, you were still just about able to, to get to Germany, weren't you? And, and Shadow City during that pre-season training camp, that unusually uh, compressed pre-season. Um, how did you find it out there? And what were sort of the, the main things that caught your eye in what was a very busy week for, for, for City and yourself? Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, I've done probably, I don't know how many now, six or seven tours. I don't think I can recall them in a week playing four games, albeit two against Darmstadt were back-to-back and they saw it with... Try to use a different set of players for both, um, but it was. I think that was th- that was the overriding thing. I t- well, two things really. Both beginning with C congested in terms of what they really felt they wanted to get out of that trip, and also the cohesion as well. And their famous last words because I do tend to agree with what Mark said. I think there will be a, a little bit of a bumpy getting to know you um, phase, maybe for the first month, six weeks. I think there will be one or two results that make us stop and think a little bit because. It's unrealistic you to bring 11 players in to try and meld them. They obviously didn't have an opportunity with Luton because of the international break that overlapped with the League Cup. Um, so really, Germany probably was the last opportunity. So I think, you know, we need to cut a little bit slack. But but the other scene for me was was cohesiveness. I just thought for how, how difficult it must be to integrate that volume of players, you could tell. And and not just what I saw, you know, you spoke to Daniel, you spoke to, I spoke to, had a good chat with Kieran Dell after that first friendly in Verl. Um, had a good sit down with Jordan Hoogle as well. Oliver Skip, actually, yeah, we got to speak to him as well. So 
and Alex Tete. So we got we got the the newer, younger lads who were coming in um, and what their impressions were. But also, it was nice to hear from Alex, who's been there, seen it, done it. And they were all really, you know, without being prompted, really singing from the same hymn sheet that there's a good vibe around the place. There is a, a cohesion um, among the group already. You know, the young lads, Alex talked about how the young players had come in. Um, and injected that freshness, that enthusiasm. They're not weighed down with the baggage of last season, which I think was was vital. You know, there needed to be a refresh just to the mindset um, rather than the same set of players who fell out of the league last season in pretty poor fashion and, and asking them to go again, which I think if I cast my mind back, that's kind of where we were with Alex Neal's team when they came out of the Premier League. Didn't refresh it enough and, and they ultimately, you know, paid the, paid the price as he did with his job. But... Yeah, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. And Daniel did say that, to be fair, to be further along the road than he thought they were going to be at that stage of pre-season, I think is a very good sign. Um, And you could already see, you know, in terms of the 11, I'd I'd be amazed if if Mezzers, McLean and and Skip, sorry, aren't the two who start in that central midfield area um, against Huddersfield. I, I think that's nailed on. I'd like to see Dowell in there as well. And, and and you you then you drop it in the Aaronses, you're bringing Godfrey back in, Tim Krull. It is difficult to try and keep our feet on the ground a little bit because, as I say, you know, it is a tall order. Daniel quoted the figure, didn't he? One promoted team in the three years that he's been in England came back straight after getting relegated, one out of nine, and that was Fulham, and they had to go the hard route in the playoff final. The odds are against Norwich doing it, but the way it's coming together this summer, I'm, I'm very optimistic. It's far more than I would have been probably when the, the final whistle went against Man City. I think they've had a good transfer window with the caveat that there's still a few weeks left and you'd hope they can keep on keep a few more of the younger lads, the highly rated younger lads in the building. If they do that, then I think it's all set up for them with that, as I say, you know, warning that I think it will take a little bit of time to get into their stride, as it did, of course, when they won the title two years ago. You know, it didn't all click straight away. I remember it was a first international break. And I think after that, they immediately after that played Middlesbrough. Pookie played up front for the first time, really scored the winner that day. And then they never looked back. So I can see a similar pattern. I can I can see a little bit of getting to know you for a month or so, six weeks. And then you hope, given the resource that Daniel's got available, he can find a blend that works and then they get on a little bit of a roll. That's what we want to see. Okay, good stuff. And um, right, well, we're going to bring in our first. Uh, I probably shouldn't call it a caller, but we'll bring in Tony, who's going to be our first uh, questioner via audio. But um, yeah, only two teams have been uh, have been promoted automatically in the last ten years, um, straight after they were relegated from the Premier League. Um, and yeah, like, as you say, um, Fulham managed to get up through the playoffs last year. Um, so. Uh, Producer Tony, have we got uh, Tony ready to uh, to ask a question? Um, I'm just bringing Tony in now, so you are hearing the other Tony's voice. <laughs> uh, Hello. Tony, yeah, Tony should be in now. Hello. Hi, Tony. How are you? Can you hear me? Well, we certainly can, my man. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, yeah. I was just like to say, um, I've got a, one thing I say about Plateta. Um, do you think he will uh, play on Saturday? Because I think having Plateta and Hernandez on the wing, both wings, will cause havoc. Good question. Right. Let's put that to Connor. Connor, would you, do you think Pojeta will be starting? Would you start him? Uh, I, think, I think he will be, yeah. Um, but I, I don't think it will be Pluetta uh, and Hernandez. I think it will probably be one uh, either or, essentially. I can see him playing perhaps a bit more of a technical option, whether that's Todd Campwell or perhaps Kieran Dow in a similar role to what we saw at Luton. Um, 
but yeah, I think it would be nice, especially after last weekend, where perhaps they, they lacked a little bit of, of something else, a little bit of variation in the final third. I think um, having sort of a more raw, uh, more direct option, I think is, is wise, particularly in um, the first game of the season where Huddersfield are going to look to attack under their, under their new coach from uh, from what we've we've gathered from from our Huddersfield fan um, who, who did a video with yesterday. So I, th- I think it's going to be essential that Norwich City are dangerous on the break. Um, and I think it's it, it, he gives them, certainly from what we saw in pre-season, a little bit of an edge. And what we saw against Darmstadt very briefly and in periods, but was that Norwich were just starting to get to understand him a little bit and how he liked to receive the ball and what he'd do with it when he did receive the ball. And he was so vital for their pressing as well. So for me, uh, yeah, I, I would have... Uh, Puerta straight into to my lineup on Saturday. I think. Okay, Tony. What you, you've asked the question. What about yourself? Would you be starting him? Yeah, yeah. I would. Um, I would start him. And another thing I would like like as well is the pressing we do. Every right. time we lose the ball, we're always pressing for the ball again. We're always looking to. We're always looking to get the ball again. But there was only a few times we were doing that against Luton. But then it just seems it just went quiet, and I couldn't believe we conceded two goals in like 10 minutes the other day. I just couldn't believe it. No, well, um, that was quite a strange day. Top man, thank you for your question. Um, we're going to bring in, we're going to bring in Blair next for uh, our second questioner of the night. If producer Tony can hit, um, if can bring Blair. Uh, unfortunately, it says uh, Blair is using an older version of Zoom. Oh, okay, right. Well, we might have a technical problem there. But Blair was going to ask, I'll ask her, ask her for it. She was going to say that with this squad as it stands, we can't have any excuses. We should be automatically promoted. Um, Chris, um, if, if I come to you on that, do you, do you think that's a, a fair statement? I mean, at the moment, the squad looks pretty ridiculous. You're asking the person who's predicted that they won't get promoted. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but... Um, the statement. I suppose you should say that um, because it looks on paper uh, as if it's a squad that, that, that should go up. And certainly looking around at the other squads in the championship, I don't want to swear here. How do we describe it? There's a lot of dross. Um, you know, there are some really average squads there, you know, and tipping that they won't go up is probably erring because... They ought to, but I just I, I think there's going to be a hangover with some people, with some players. I, I saw it setting in uh, as the run went on and on, and those players are still in the in the club, and I, I think it's going to be hard for them to to, to shed the, uh, the 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 feelings and the emotions of last season. I really do. I think mm. that will come into play. Now that is how Daniel Farker earns his beans because he will then need to drag it out of them. And when Mark had said it could be a rocky start, I think there's going to be more than the rocky start if they're not careful. I, I, it's really hard. It's really hard. I don't... What was the question again? Because it... it the statement was... With the, with the um, quality of the squad, they should go up, yeah? Yeah, with the squad as it stands, we can't have any excuses. We should be automatically promoted. Absolutely right. There shouldn't be excuses. But I, I don't think they're going to do it simply because of the bits between the ears which is a lot to do with football. I know they brought in a lot of, you know, they in double figures with the num- number of signings they brought in, but you're not going to play them all. Um, and the lad, Placetta, Connor, tell, just pronounce his name for me, will you please? Placetta. Okay, he's a new, a new player. But, you know, he's a young lad who, who's, who's learning. He's, he's, 
he, he doesn't walk into that side to me. Um, Sorensen, pretty much the same as well. There the, were the others. I think Paddy had mentioned that he thought uh, McLean would be straight into that team. Maybe for the, the consistency, yeah, but McLean was on the losing side, a bad losing side last season. And, and that's why I'm a little bit pessimistic about it. Yeah, it does take a lot to shake yeah. it off, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it does. I think people are looking and saying, yeah, he's a good player, he's a good player, he's a good player. But then I look and think, yeah, but there's a lot of, not baggage, but there's, there's little black ticks I put against a few of them. Okay. I'm wrong, I really am. And, and I generally am wrong about football predictions. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to be a hard season. And, and to say they're going to finish fifth, I think I'm, I'm doing them a bit of a disservice. It might be a bit lower than that. <laughs> Well, my mind goes back to the Alex Neal team in 2016. You know, they won that opening day game against Blackburn 4-1. They were top of the league mm. and it looked like it was all good. And then it finally set in, didn't it? And they slowly, it, it fell apart. So, and let's not forget the year they won the title under Farker, they only won one of the opening six matches. So, mm. um, if there's a little bit of a shaky start, then I, I hope people will, uh, you know, not pile on the pressure too much, which is... It's not going to be easy to do, you know. They have lost 12 games in a row, technically, but without giving away too much of my, of my column, which I've written for Saturday's piece. Yeah, I remember reading this a little while ago. <laughs> the, um, some people need to let that go because it's, it's not going to be... Yes, they lost... But there's the test. The last season. That's the test. Can they let it go? Yeah, I, I, don't, sure. think, I don't think enough of them can. I think it'll but be better. Ben Godfrey, really good footballer. I think he suffered badly in that, that the project restart because of that, that baggage of with crap. You know, yeah. I, I think he suffered really badly. And after those first two games, you know, Southampton and Everton, they knew they had to win those games and then yeah. they had a fighting chance, lost to both. That final eight game, yeah, no, sorry, final seven league games were very difficult from that point on. Uh, right, producer Tony, if I come back over to you and we've got Harry waiting to ask a question via audio, uh, with, which is my little brother who's very keen hey. to ask a question. So, Harry, if you're there, let us know what your question is. Harry should be coming in any second. Is he there? Harry, are you there? Just asking him to unmute. The fun of technology, isn't it? Harry, are, are you there? Which team do you think will win the championship title this season? Good lad, right. Which oh. team do you think will win the championship title this season? Oh, who am I going to come to with this one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think Clarkie's already sort of answered this when he tipped Brentford. So, Mark, if I come to you on this. Oh, it's going to be boring then because uh, I, I, I think Brentford as well then, really. I mean, uh, you, you, they, they just look a really good side from what, from what I've seen. I, I must confess that I've kind of let my championship knowledge slide a little bit after being in the Premier League, and I need to get up to speed with it a little bit. Liverpool fan. <laughs> but um, whenever I've seen Brentford play, they, they, I really like what I see, and that it, it, a lot of it depends on obviously who they can keep. They've just lost Watkins to to Villa, and um, and the other important thing to say about it is they're going to a new stadium uh, this season as well, and that can either spur them on or it can there can be a bit of a settling in period, but. Um, it's all there for, for, for that club to really kick on and be a Premier League side, I think. And I, I think they're going to be the team to beat. They know exactly what the championship is about. They've been there and, and they've just steadily risen, haven't they, through the last few seasons. And 
that, so much so that, that I've always thought they've been quite an unfancy team, Brentford. But you, you can't say that about them anymore. Um, I think now that they're, they're one of the favourites, and rightly so. Right. Well, good question, Harry. Thanks for that. I'm going to say um, Watford um, for the title. Um, I I think they've got a good squad. I don't think Watford really should have been getting relegated. I think there's a lot of good ability in there that um, means that they shouldn't have been in the situation that they were. I just, again, the stadium thing with Brentford, definitely, I, I think that will um, hinder them because people remember when Arsenal went to the Emirates and stuff like that, they, people loved turning up at the new stadium and, and turning them over, didn't they? And I think the new stadium in the first season might hurt them. And, and equally, when you think back to Derby, that hangover, or even Norwich in 2002, that hangover from losing in the playoff final, that is um, that is very difficult to shake off. Um, just, uh, to, uh, Pad, sorry, I'll come to you on, on that one before we move on. Um, who do you think is going to be, uh, be top? You've done it again, Dave Watford. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Take, I think Glenn Murray's an astute bit of business. I think he'll, he's still got enough about him to score goals at this level. Yeah, and and as a club, the way they're set up, sort of structurally, I think they just roll on and roll on. So they won't be too far away. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, we spend too much time together, don't we? <laughs> Um, right, um, Connor, I'll come to you um, for a bit of Facebook action, if that's all right. And if I just, uh, at this point, mention to producer Tony that we will, after we've done the Facebook comments, we'll have the questions from Rory and Richard. Um, but over to Connor. Thank you, Doki. Some, uh, some love from, for Clarkie straight off the bat. Someone's called you a local legend, which, uh, which is always good. So, I'm trying to find the name. I saw it earlier and I've, I've scrolled past Connor, it. So Connor, me, Connor, I'll... it's Mrs. Clark. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't say anything like that, Paddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David McKenzie said he's watching from Stamford in Lincolnshire uh, and that he thinks Norwich is going to win it and player of the season will be Ben Gibson. Uh, Shane Jones I hope Gibson partners Godfrey or Zimmerman uh, it was Nathan Dack with the praise for you Clarky uh, let's see what else we have on here which team yeah we've answered that in terms of the title uh, Jez Arlo hey guys I don't know about you but I'm, I'm very concerned about the zonal marking dilemma last season was nothing short of, di of diabolical from the system thoughts question mark I right. zonal. I'm, I'm an old-fashioned pick up your man, don't let him breathe, grab whatever you need <laughs> to stop him doing the business. And, you know, if, if zonal can work, great, but too often I see it doesn't work. So um, what do I know? But I, I like know your man and stick to him. I'm looking forward to seeing Gibson and Hanley as a partnership in that regard because that's two tough blokes, isn't it? If yeah. you know, if Hanley can get back to full fitness, I mean, Zimbo's a tough guy as well, but mm -hmm. particularly Hanley and Gibson, they're sort of null championship defenders, aren't they? And I think they will, uh, they'll have a bit of uh, well, Norwich will have a little bit of nastiness to them in the in the penalty area, won't they? At both ends, hopefully. Um, and uh, I, sh I will just chip in here a little bit and say I'm pleased to hear that Jez Arlo is watching um, because uh, he may be in the running for our. Uh, prize so Jez make sure you keep watching and through until that point um, right any more Connor? Uh, yeah Jez again he said I don't know about you all but I'm certainly very concerned about uh, Farquhar yeah, set piece tactics which we spoke about um, but, but also tactics generally after we watched the Luton game um, what, what are your thoughts on on those and, and his, ta his tactics and perhaps the tweaks that he's going to have to make this season uh, right um, put that to Paddy that's all right. you might have just had to repeat it yeah, no, basically Luton, what we saw there, yeah, how, how do we feel moving forward? Yeah, I'd straight away stop right there. I just think the, the, the personnel on show against Luton, it was literally fulfilling a fixture. And that's no slight on Farker because since he's been here, 
that is not a charge that he, he, he jacks off the cups. You could level him, but that was the hand he dealt. I think it was upwards of 20, if you include international players missing, Emi Buendia suspended, two or three injured, uh, unavailable, who would, who would really, with the greatest respect to those 11 who lined up at Kenilworth Road, have been ahead of them in the pecking order. So, yeah, I, I, I don't read too much into it. I mean, ultimately, they were in the game uh, at 81 minutes, but you've got Alex Tetti playing, you know, centre-back again. You've got... Mario playing that holding midfield role, which Farker doesn't see him in, but it was knees must. And, and you would hope, you've mentioned two there, Gibson and Hanley as your centre-backs, that they wouldn't be conceding those type of goals at the back end against Luton. So, yeah, for me, we could answer that question with a bit more clarity, I think, when we see what they, A, go with at Huddersfield and, B, more importantly, how they perform on Saturday. OK, cool. Right, well, um, in terms of the questions via Zoom, um, Rory can't uh, talk, so I'm going to read them out. But I'm going to put this to you, Connor, because I think you're probably the best place to answer it. Although, uh, maybe if Corey was here, um, who everyone will know is uh, the, the Norwich City transfer expert from Twitter, he'd be a good man to ask answer this. But Rory asked about Daniel Sanani. Um, what do you consider his best position? And could he be an outsider for player of the season if he gets a run in the team? I noticed he played up front for Luxembourg in the week. Yeah, and uh, he has been playing largely in, in central midfield for, for Daniel Sanani. And there's a bit of a, a, a sort of Pandora's box about him. No one really knows what, what he is. Um, I think he's, he's probably a number 10, speaking to uh, the recruitment analyst that I spoke to, which is on our YouTube channel. I think that's, that's probably the position that he's played in in Luxembourg. Um, but I, I think it's, it's going to be intriguing to see just where he fits in. We've seen him play slightly off the right uh, in a friendly, didn't we? And also up front, I think, in the first couple. So I think they, they may still be trying to work that out. Um, Interestingly about him, uh, he said that in terms of his data, there's not a lot of data on the Luxembourg division. Although I, I saw um, Corey, you referenced there, tweeted today that he, he found something to, to say that Norwich had potentially been after him for a, for a couple of seasons. So um, mm. that's that's interesting in terms of a how they discovered him and, and how they followed him. Uh, maybe it was an active agent. We don't know. Um, so yeah, I, I think he will probably be someone who is sort of drip fed some action. Wouldn't be totally surprised if he ended up back out on loan. Um, I, I think probably Saturday will be a really good sort of gauge to, for where he is, because if he's if he's in the squad, then we probably know that Daniel Farker would like to keep him around, and if he's not, then that probably suggests that maybe he's got a, a little bit of growth to do, and he's going to be incredibly raw, and I think from the, the friendly fixtures that I've seen of him, he, he did look very raw. There was that nice pass to Hugo, wasn't there, for, for that goal, um, and, and beyond that, there were, there were little flashes, but perhaps not so much in terms of his positioning and stuff, so um, could be really surprising and could surprise everyone, have a, a storming season, but equally wouldn't be totally surprised if uh, if he went out on loan for a year. So he's, um, for me, probably the most intriguing of, of all of the 11 signings this summer. There is some potentially exciting uh, ability there, isn't there? I think everyone sort of saw his... Um, saw his super cuts basically on YouTube and got quite excited about him, didn't they? So, um, yes, um, I'm going to have to roll a couple of questions uh, into one here because we've got a, a few people asked a very similar thing. Um, Chris, if I come to you on this first, but we're, we're going to look at the defence a little bit more in depth. Um, but we've got similar questions. I mean, Ryan Kelsall said, do you think Gibson could be played at a, as a left-back? I, I don't think that's uh, very likely at all. I think he's more of your your traditional uh, big centre-half. Um, but Rory and I think Terry Lyon asked um, similar questions. So, Chris, um, what would your preferred centre-back pairing be if all are fit this season? I would go with Zimbo and Gibson, Godfrey and Hanley as cover. If we play three, then Godfrey would do well in that role as well. So he's, 
he's you know overlooking closer to a certain extent there. I'd overlook closer, I'm afraid. Frankly, I a lot of yeah. people saying things like that. Well, sorry, <laughs> I'd <laughs> overlook him. Uh, he wouldn't be in my my uh, thoughts at all. Obviously, Gibson would be. There's no doubt about that. It's a case of who partners Gibson. Um, it's a difficult one because I quite like Zimmerman. Well, I do like a lot Zimmerman as a, as an inspirational person. Again, that non-footballing type thing, the, the, the between the brain stuff. I think when Zimmerman's on the pitch, he, he helps players around him. But um, there are a few little issues with me. I think uh, his pace is lacking. I don't think he's mobile enough. I'd like to see Ben Godfrey learn a bit more from Gibson. So I'd like Ben and Ben. Mm. Not Bill and Ben, Ben and Ben. I, 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 think, I think Gibson... You get the feeling that Gibson's quite a clever sort of individual. I know Connor was quite impressed, if I may speak on your behalf, uh, the other day when he, he spoke to him at length. Everything I've read about him impresses me. I've, I've yet to see him play in a City shirt, obviously. But I'd like to think that he would help Ben Godfrey. I think uh, Hanley, Zimmerman, I mean, fantastic backups. But I just think those two, the two Bens are better. Um, and the question about the left-back, well, you've, you've got, when everybody's fit, you've got two left-backs already. And you've just sold one. So, you know, no problem with left-back. And right-back, hopefully, for a little while at least, there isn't a problem. So, Ben and Ben, and behind them, Grant Hanley and uh, Christoph Zimmerman. And I'm really sorry, Tim Klaus is a great bloke, but not, not for me. Interesting okay. to support there, to have, to have a... I think closer was 7.25 million, wasn't he? So, to have an international player that cost that money as, as the fifth in the pecking order of being sent a half. Yeah, but fifth now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he suffered badly, I thought, in Project Restart because he should have been involved. Yeah. yeah. Was was I feel really sorry for him. But I think, again, maybe I concentrate too much on the bit between the ears, but mm. I think he suffered from that. And, and his age is not on his side. You, know, agree, but, but, you yeah. know, you have two young ones, you make them form a partnership. At some stage, Close's career is going to end. They're going to say, that's it, he's gone. The, you don't want to be stuck say, with the regular. The one thing I'd say is what it was nil-nil at Luton on Saturday, despite all that circumstance, until Closer went off injured. So him and Zimmerman just about had managed to keep a clean sheet. Now, I really liked him. And in that first half of the championship season, he was exceptional, as was Mo Leitner before that injury happened and that he was sort of the start of the production line, wasn't he? So if he could recover that sort of form, he's clearly good enough. But everybody, I think, and, and hopefully this isn't the same for Tim, is that they've lost faith in his ability to stay fit, haven't they? And that, yeah. that, that's, a, that's a real But also you, you don't want to build a team around a guy who A, isn't fit and A, is advancing in years. You don't make that your regular partnership when you've got the option of Gibson and, Gibson and uh, Godfrey. We'll see. But Let them build together. There are a couple of moments at Luton. Again, we're not taking Luton too seriously because of the, the, all that circumstance around it. But there were a few moments when Luton attacked and Norwich's two young fullbacks, you know, were a little bit panicked. And Tim got the ball and he just calmed everything down. A few simple passes here and there, exchanged it with the midfield, calmed everything down. And his use of the ball is what has always made him good, isn't it? So if he could get back into the run of things, I, I wouldn't want to real, write him off totally yet. And we'll have to see, obviously, whether Godfrey sticks around. But it seems a good point, Connor, just to come back to you on Gibson. You, you were down at Carrow Road speaking to him on, was it Tuesday? Uh, or was that yesterday? Um, and uh, yeah, what, what do you sort of make of him uh, as a character? 
I, yeah, I, I was really impressed with him, actually. Um, the first thing that struck me was, was he's not as tall as I expected. I think he's, he's about 6'1", <laughs> um, so he's, he's just shorter oh. than me, which was, was a bit of a surprise. <laughs> but, um, uh, he, was, he was a really, really just nice bloke, um, first and foremost. He came down as, as very down-to-earth. Um, he was with some members of his family. He also stopped to speak as well. I always think that's a good sign that, that he's got a, a decent sort of circle around him, so to speak. And... Um, was was really honest, reminding me a little bit actually of, of Russell Martin in terms of the way that he spoke and the answers that he gave. You kind of felt that you cut through the sort of media trained answers that you got and what he was telling you was, was genuine and honest. And um, there was a real hunger there that I, that I sensed and, and he's really determined to get going after two years of, of uh, well, his career has been, been put on hold really. So um, I think Norwich, you're getting someone who's, who's very motivated, very hungry and um, with championship experience and, and just, to, to sort of bring it back to closer, it's, it's worth noting as well that he's been written off before, hasn't he? He was, I think, training with the under-23s at one point and then came back into contention. So um, I think it's always dangerous to, to write off him. Um, but it would surprise me if it wasn't Gibson and another. Um, and I, I think that if they can get Gibson back up to speed quickly and get his match fitness back, because I think in terms of physical condition, he said himself that he's in... In, uh, in in a pretty good state. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see if, if Daniel Farker goes with him from the off. But really impressive bloke. I think someone who's, who's going to offer some leadership and um, and a bit of quality in the defence as well. Whether he's going to come in and, and revolutionise the way they defend, I'm not quite sure. I think that may be probably a wider debate to have about the structure. But um, you certainly can't have too much quality. And I think after last year, and we saw that well, Daniel Farker only had a handful of games where he had three centre-backs available. So... Um, you would hope, I mean, beyond a hernia issue, he's had a pretty sturdy career in terms of fitness as well. So you'd hope they're bringing in someone reliable, someone who's a bit streetwise and someone that can offer what you said, a little bit of nastiness. And um, I think he will offer that. But, you know, really good bloke, really good talker. Uh, and I think Noah Transit are going to like him. Good stuff. Right. Um, I've got a couple of comments to read out in response to what we've just been talking about. But in the background, if, if producer Tony can get um, Johan and Kieran lined up and um, we'll get a couple more of you guys in uh, on the audio. Um, but just to, as a little reminder, if you want to ask a question or, or make a comment, if you use the chat function in Zoom and Tony will, will get back to you and we'll try and get you involved actually via audio. So just watch out. He'll unmute you and you just need to confirm that it's unmuted. But before the next person comes in, a uh, comment from Rory. I don't feel the same way about Godfrey as Chris. For me, he has great attributes, speed, strength, decent on the ball, but it's positionally average, aerially average, hence good in a three but not one of two, given the other options available. And Stuart says, Ben Gibson saying he demands a lot from himself and from people around him might be what Godfrey needs as he does switch off on crosses and can organise the marking in the box. Right, have we got Johan, who I think has got a question about Alex Tetty? Yes, sorry, uh, calling in from the States, so I apologise about the uh, American accent. But, um, I need to apologise. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining um, us. Whereabouts are yeah, you in the States? Of course. Um, no, Alex Teddy, you know, every year we seem to sign people who are going to replace him. But then by the end of the season, he's playing every single game. So just curious uh, what you guys thought about Alex Teddy this year and how important he will be. Okay, Mark, if I come to you first on, on Alex Teddy, what, what a servant he's been for Norwich. This will be ninth season. Will it be his final one? Uh, could be, could be his final one. I, I mean, we, we all love Alex Tessie, don't we, as, as a bloke. And, and, and you know, he's, he's a really good player. But I, I've got to admit, I think, 
I think if he's if he's the the main man in, in Norwich's midfield again, then something's gone wrong in the recruitment because obviously you see who they brought in. You, obviously, um, Paddy I think mentioned Skip and and McLean will be first choice. And I think there's there's probably others ahead. And he, he's he's also, he's always Norwich's go-to man when things are going a little bit peak tongue, aren't they? And and I think I think it might be he might be important to start with, as I mentioned, with it going a bit with it being a bit bumpy. Uh, I think he there might be a role for him early in the season, but. If Norwich get the bandwagon rolling, then I would hope that there's other options that, that are better players than Alex Setti now that can can do more for this Norwich side. Because we know what, what Alex can do, but there are limitations to his game. Um, and, and as I say, I, I hope that there, there are others that, that can shine before him. Uh, but I do hope that we get to hear from Alex every now and again because he's a great interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is. I mean, that, that seems a good point to bring you in, Pad. You, you, you spoke to Alex out there in Germany, didn't you? And have probably spoken to him a, a lot of times over the years. But yeah, I, I suppose in terms of Norwich's progress, and, and, and Stuart Weber is probably totally aware of this, that they do really need to move on from Alex Tate, don't they? Yeah, they do. And it's no reflection on, on a man who's given great service. But yeah, you touched on the last time I've spoken to him was after the Darmstadt game. And We'll see how he conducts himself in the media. He is very honest, probably to to too great a degree, and uh, for his own good on on occasion. I can remember some classics where he's dropped a few f words in uh, where he probably shouldn't have done, and the the look on the press officer's face was hilarious. Um, but I digress. But he he did make quite an amusing point that he basically almost said, "Look, I'm the old man now," and whether it's Skip, whether it's McLean, throw Sorensen into the mix if he integrates well. He, he, he actually said the words along the lines of, you know, oh, I'm just there to keep them honest and, and keep them pushing so they know they haven't got an easy ride to the, the starting eleven. So for him to actually be, you know, overtly talking in those terms, that tells me maybe maybe Farkas, you know, said to him, look, I need you on this journey. Maybe a little bit like Tim Closer uh, to a similar degree. But you might not play every week. You might not even play a, um, every you know other week. But uh, but but you, you're such a great influence around the place. You've got all the experience. He knows what it takes to get out of the championship, um, and I think he's accepted that role. He obviously loves it here. His, his family love it here, and he's pretty much made it clear this will be his last tour of duty, and uh, and he won't be going back for for a you know a farewell in Norway. I think this at the end of the season the boots get hung up for Alex Tete, um, and if that is the case, there's probably almost a serenity come over him that he knows it's his last season as a professional footballer just to enjoy it and when you need it you'll be there he's, a, he's an ultimate pro so when he's called upon he will be ready um, as long as his body holds up but I think he knows himself that his frontline days are probably over and, and if that is the case you know um, I'm sure when we get to the back end of the season however it's happening on the pitch he will get the send off he deserves because uh, you know he's been there through thick and thin but yeah I, I don't think if you're Alex Tete whatever anybody else thinks I don't think he expects to be edging out the likes of Skip and McLean this season uh, if subject to any injuries or, or suspension issues around those players and, and that's just a natural evolution as, as the guys have said that needs to happen you know if you're going forward now and Alex Tete is still your go-to then it's probably a reflection on your recruitment I think he was the closest player to scoring on Saturday, wasn't he? <laughs> what a shot. <laughs> he was unlucky not to score. Um, right. Um, before, I think, it's, I think we've got Kieran coming in next on the audio. So I'll just uh, let Tony saw that in the background. But we had a, a good comment uh, on the following on from the centre-back discussion uh, from Rory. This is in your direction, Connor. Uh, interestingly, Connor was much taller than I thought when I was walking <laughs> near him on the Walker Road. 
would probably make a strong eighth centre-back option. Now, in, in case anyone didn't know, because he, he never stops going on about it, Connor was on the books at Cambridge United as a, as a youngster. So, well, could, could you do a job as centre-back, Connor? Um, I, I'm glad he said taller and not not uh, any comment on the weight. But um, <laughs> no, no, I, I think um, I don't mention Cambridge United that often, really. Uh, you brought it up, so I'll talk about it. No, I was I was about nine, I think. So I was I could run a bit then. Um, I, I've lost all. I'm amazed now. you didn't get into the first team at that place, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in terms of being a centre back, no, I, I can't. I'm I'm a bit like Darren Huckabee. I don't tackle and I don't really head. So um, I'm sort of a, a floaty number ten. So. I don't think I'd be, I'd be much <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put money on against a Jordan Hill Hugill though, Connor. <laughs> no, no, exactly. You're right, yeah. And you haven't got to worry about the weight. Just walk next to me. No one's going to notice you. <laughs> uh, right. And Johan, thank you very much for your question. Thanks for joining us from the States. Um, producer Tony, have we got um, somebody else ready to come in on, on the audio? Yeah, Kieran should be with us. Hello, Kieran. Hello. Thanks for joining us. What? With the, with with the squad how we've got this season and the amount of players that we've got that will want first team to start, there are certain individuals that we'd seem to start that we would have last season, but we then also brought in players that will want to start this season. Do you think that will do you think that will affect the mentality of certain players from past seasons that have sort of gotten used to the fact that they've not really been challenged and the fact that they may their attitudes towards the whole club or the whole team may change mm, that's what you mean so someone like um maybe uh campwell and wendy have now got as things stand at uh, poheta and dowell and things like that have, have come in um clark if I, if I come to you on that i mean i, I guess this is one where it's gonna be a real balancing act for daniel farker isn't it well someone said i think it was paddy said earlier on that's where that's where the boss earns his crust i, <laughs> I think it's possibly been well, one of the best transfer winners I can remember in terms of quality, variety, and obviously the numbers. So, you know, he's, and we've lost um, Jamal's gone, but otherwise not many have gone out of the door. So numerically, it's going to be a challenge. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of big characters. There's a lot of very valuable and a lot of very good lads in there. So it's, it's going to be tough, but that, that's, that's what he's there for. And, and if he gets it right, it will, it will mean the competition for each place will keep them on the toes. And I think it's going to be only a good thing. Um, and everyone's got to be looking at themselves and saying, if I want to be in this team, I've got to have the right attitude. I've got to turn it on on the day. And I've got to be a great, great guy around the group. Um, and I think Fark has proved that no one is a guaranteed starter in any position, whoever they are. So he, he will play players on, on how they're performing, how they're training, the attitude they're showing. So I, I, I think the, the numbers and the variety are a really good thing and, and puts us in really good stead. Well, let's hope so. Um, Nathan asks, do you think Emmy will stay and what kind of impact will he have this season? Uh, Pad, let's come back to you on this one and then uh, we'll come to Connor for some more Facebook comments. Yeah, difficult one, isn't it? But I'm more optimistic now than I was at the start of this abbreviated close season because because of the, if we line the five up, we keep calling them the crown jewels. Obviously, one's gone now in Jamal, but I think there was a lot of noise around Buendi, wasn't there? Um, you know, the Leeds thing was mentioned. I didn't really buy into that. But I thought there might be a club in Spain now, in La Liga, who thinks, yeah, there's a guy who's really kicked on since he was he was last there. Um, worth taking a chance. Now, whether, and obviously Jamal's you know move went through, um, but whether the, the, the whole negative impact of, of the pandemic is really... 
stopped a lot of clubs from doing a lot of business. But then, of course, the caveat is you now see Villa throwing it around like it's monopoly money for, for the likes of Watkins and, and, and they wanted Wilson as well. So whether it isn't less about the virus and more about, you know, the, the, it was ever thus. You know, there's a lot of chatter, nothing a lot much happens. And as you get closer to the deadline, you know, all hell breaks loose. So whether we're in for a, a rather turbulent in terms of Norwich getting approaches for their better young players between now and mid-October, time will tell. But And if that is the case, then you would expect somebody would look at Buendia. But I'm more optimistic now that... You know, I, I, I could see as the Newcastle thing developed that that was that was a very quick-paced affair. You know, Newcastle made their move um, a day of intensive talks with Stuart Webber just prior to Luton, and then you know, two or three days later, and it had probably gone through quicker if Jamal wasn't away with Northern Ireland on, on international duty. That's the speed that these things can happen. If there's actual serious interest, Stuart Webber has been very clear the figures he wants to to, to let any of those go out the building. Um, if clubs come with those figures, then ultimately maybe the final call is the player themselves. And, and as Jamal has stated, now he's got to Newcastle. Having been in the Premier League, that was the only place that he wanted to play his football. If that's the case for an Emmy or a Todd or, or a Max Aarons or Ben Godfrey and the money's right, then I think probably Norwich would probably look to move one on. And I say one, I, I don't see now of the four remaining, I don't see the message that would send to the fans. Connor wrote about this uh, yesterday, I think, and I tend to agree. If you were to let maybe two of those four go now, that doesn't send the message that we're really serious about coming back at the first opportunity. So if you put me on the spot now, I can see maybe one of those four um, going. Who that one is, whether it's a Buendia, we don't know. Because there is, as it stands as we sit here today, there isn't any Jamal staged interest that's reached a point where you know it's an actual viable alternative that these players could move on. There's a lot of talk and there will continue to be, but at the minute those four will be going into this season as Norwich players. Whether all four are here come October, I don't think so. But but I do think it'll probably only be maybe one at most who departs. Okay, before we just go to Connor for the Facebook comments, Chris, can I just come back to you? Well, I realise that I've sort of paid tribute to Jamal Lewis here and I'm wearing sort of Newcastle colours almost. So <laughs> I'm bidding him fair. I'm paying tribute to Coventry in Paddy's uh, presence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Jamal's, Jamal's always been a really good lad. I, I think I did his first ever Norwich City interview after uh, an FA Youth Cup quarterfinal up at Manchester City in 2016. He was They lost that 2-0, partly because Campwell was injured and he was kind of the big player of that team. Ben Godfrey, astronauts were in that team. But Jamal was man of the match that night, really good. And then subsequently, um, we, we interviewed him several times and he, he's such a intelligent good lad but in terms of the reaction that you've seen from Norwich fans to Jamal moving to Newcastle do you think most people are sort of felt it's a, it's a decent move for him? Yeah I, well I think most people think the move to the Premier League a Premier League club is a good move for him I think he deserved it um, they'll be happy that Norwich knocked back Liverpool um, who's some of their fans believe that Norwich City is a, a, a charity in the east of England <laughs> um, and they accepted a realistic bid. Um, you know, just because you've got relegated and you've got good players doesn't mean, let's say, you give them away in, in uh, dolly bags. Now, Jamal deserved, I think. He wanted to do it, I'm sure. Uh, Norwich were able to let him go because their recruitment had, had given them replacements. Um, whether Newcastle is the best place for him, I don't know if only because of the background uh, that, uh, that, that seems to be ever-present uh, with Newcastle United. 
However, I doubt very much he would have gone there had he, he thought they were going to be folded next week. It's not that bad. So the stature of the club, uh, where they stand in the Premier League, yeah, I think that's about his level, with all due respect to him. Um, I don't think he would have seen much action at Liverpool. I, I, I can't see that that would have been a good move for him. I mean, if Liverpool came in for me, I'd say yes. <laughs> but, you know, for Jamal Lewis, professional footballer, I don't think he would have seen regular football. And as a young lad, he needs to do that. Newcastle, yeah, I think. And if he plays well for Newcastle, then Liverpool may be on the agenda one day. So, yeah, I think it's a good move. And, and I'm pleased to see that Norwich fans took it in completely the right way. I, I haven't actually seen a dissenting voice. I, 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 I think, you know, it's good. I remember Robert Green leaving Norwich a few years back and people said, look, he sort of deserves it. He's mm. done his stuff. Madison as well. Too good for where, you know, Madison, he's too good for where we are now. You know, if Norwich had said, no, you're not going anywhere, that would have been so unfair on the lad. And the same with Madison. They said, right, you know, for the right price, please go and express yourself and be a great player, get the England squad. And the same with Jamal, apart from the England squad bit. Um, yeah, I think it's a great move. Uh, and I really hope he does well, because I think he's conducted himself well. He's played well for Norwich. Yeah, good. Good stuff. Right, Connor, over to you for the Facebook comments. Yeah, I'm going to start with a comment from uh, Ray Wiley, who happens to be my granddad as well. I, I, I think I've said this before, so I'm not outing him. Um, <laughs> he, he, did used be, he did used to be Captain Canary. Um, he, he used to be what? Captain Canary. So there's, there's a fun hey. fact. Uh, he oh, said, I never knew his name was Ray. <laughs> yeah. he, said, he said, do you think we've now sorted our defence problem with the addition of Ben Gibson? Right, well... Uh, Mark, oh, oh, oh. a question from Captain Canary. The honour goes to you. Goodness me, what an honour indeed. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, there's, they've got plenty of options there now, haven't they? Um, it'd be interesting to see. I've, I've just, uh, not basing this on anything, I've just got a sneaky that Godfrey might be the, the other crown jewel that might go. I, I, I nothing to base that on. But as it stands... Uh, Norwich are well stocked at centre half, aren't they? And and uh, they've also it's important that they've got enough options at the moment to give Gibson a little bit of bedding in time. So I mean, uh, we, we we mentioned it earlier, but my, my uh, you'd have, I think you'd have Zimmerman would be in my two uh, for for sure, and you'd have Hanley as well. And you just give get get Gibson give Gibson that bit of time to bed in, and I'm sure he will become uh, sort of the main man in in, in Norwich's defence. I've, I've got no doubt about that. Um, you just hope they uh, <laughs> they don't get that injury crisis again because oh, Norwich sure. didn't like that. <laughs> okay, back to you, Connor. Uh, yeah, Christian Lowe said, uh, Norwich are a team who thrive and are motivi motivated by great home and away support. How significant is the lack of home fans at Norwich games going to be? Um, are there going to be big moments missed, perhaps? Clarky, let's come to you on this then. Um, how have you found watching it from home? I mean, presumably it's not been the, the most pleasant of experience. And we've had, had it all move on yesterday haven't we in terms of the, the new government regulations seemingly knocking it back um that we, when we're going to have fans back i mean unfortunately as we sit here today there's a very real prospect that this entire season there won't be full stadiums i, I, I can't see full stadiums happening in any way this season and you know when when the government is saying at christmas you know families may not be able to see children <laughs> grandchildren grand, you know grandparents I, I think there's going to be a huge um, pause on large numbers being back. 
I mean, whether we're going to start talking back to a couple, three, four thousand. Um, obviously, clearly hope is we can get back to more as, as soon as possible because I do think, you know, Project Restart, Norwich suffered from not having fans home and away. Um, you asked how I felt it. I mean, apart from about 15 seconds in a couple of games, it was an entirely miserable experience sitting at home just watching, you know, being bullied and goals flying in the, the wrong end and, and just being outclassed so many times. So it was, it was awful to watch from home. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think there's a long way to go before we can start getting a lot of fans back, sadly. Yeah, right. I think uh, if I come to producer Tony, I think we've got Duo um, ready with a with a question on the audio. Hopefully. Yeah. Yep. Here he is. Hi. Hello. Hi, Duo. Hello. Good afternoon. Um, hi. My question is: um, if there is an offer for Max Aaron's that matches our evaluation, do you think Norwich City are prepared to let him go? Okay, right. Thanks for your question. Connor, um, I'll put that to you. Max Aarons, do you think they would let him go? Just the fire factor in this, isn't there? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. Um, I, I think they would probably try and, and push it towards the end of the window to see where Sam Byron's fitness is, if, I, if I'm being honest. And equally, it probably would have to be a, a fee that, that met their, their valuation. Um, and Because ultimately, as I wrote yesterday, Norwich City will sell players. They will sell players in the future. Um, and, and they have sold players in the past. And that will always be the case because their model dictates that they need to do that to keep, uh, to keep the wheel churning to some extent. So they are relying on that. But again, as Paddy referenced earlier, there's a balance to this because if you're saying that you, you're going to let another one of those youngsters go that fans like so much, that fans rate so highly, that players in the squad rate so highly, then actually what, what are you telling those fans if you're coming out and saying, look, we, we're going to try and get a promotion bid, but we're also selling two, three of our best players. So you've got to strike a balance where, yes, the financials involved are going to dictate a lot of it, but there's a competitive edge as well. Um, and I think if you lost both of those wing-backs who were so pivotal in, in that championship campaign, title-winning one, I think that would be pretty devastating for Norwich, to be honest. Um, even though Ballymumba looked very bright against Luton, and even though we know what Sam Byron can produce when he's, when he's fit. So... I think there are a lot of dimensions to, to the Aaron's one. I think he, he's probably the, the type of lad who is is probably content with, with giving Norwich um, certainly a, a full season, but if not, then then January. And I think he's probably intelligent enough and mature enough to understand the situation. So um, I don't think he'll he'll chuck his toys out of the pram if he doesn't go. But equally, if he does, then I think supporters are in a position where they know that the, the fee is going to be one that the club deemed to be right. And I think you only have to look at sort of Stuart Webber's history at the club to see that as a rule they have commanded pretty decent um, fees for their players so he certain, certainly won't be leaving on the cheap as has been the case with perhaps some of Norwich's talent in the past. Oh, Duo, if I, if I just come back to you on Max, um, how did you think he did in the Premier League last year and, and just how well do you think he's done for Norwich? Well, in the Premier, in the Premier League I, I, uh, I think um, he struggled just like um, as much as uh, everyone else in the team, I think um, he uh, both both in the attack and in defending. Uh, but um, I think he's got a quality. Yeah. To compete in the championship. Uh, sorry. Uh, good. Thank you very much for for your question. Um, we'll we'll come back to some more of the Zoom questions shortly. Connor, if I just bounce back to you for a few more Facebook, and then we're going to go to the halftime entertainment. 
Oh, I thought that was me. I thought that, I thought that was music playing then. What on earth was that noise? That may have been a motorbike going past my house. I've got the door open because Connor will know when you've got cats, doors have to be open, all sorts of things. So sorry. Yeah, yeah my... jump in as well, Connor, before you get started. Uh, there was a comment from a certain uh, Tony Thrussell of uh, the producer world, who you may know, uh, asking, is Connor wearing Man United's third kit? <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> this is nicer than Man United's third kit. This is the kit. This is the shirt that we want Paddy to sign. Paddy Dabbit, hashtag no circus. And we'll sell it off to <laughs> charity. What about this? Connor's shirt, yeah, is that what you mean to sign? Yeah, if Norwich if Norwich win the league, Paddy's got to present the the live podcast after that in that shirt. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Dave, are you got the facility to mute the producer on this recording? Or not? <laughs> uh, no, sorry, I can't. I can't. Right, <laughs> uh, Connor, back to the Facebook. Facebook, yeah. Uh, Joachim has asked. Everyone was talking about Adam Eder a few months ago. Now, no one uh, does. It seems. Why do you think that's the case? Right. Uh, Pad, can I come to you on that? I'm coming back to you yeah. for a bit. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, I'm not sure I'd agree entirely. I mean, he's just made his two senior appearances for the Republic of Ireland, which which puts him back in that uh, the more visible sort of uh, profile. And I, I, I thought he was good in his cameos in the project restart period. I take Clarkie's point. There wasn't too many things that were good about Norwich during that period. But him and Josh Martin came on and certainly Adam, in a couple of his cameos, I remember the Brighton game, he put a header against the post and he put the post right at the end and that was the best chance they had on the day. Probably should have opened his account, that sliding uh, attempt at Watford um, a couple of days after, I think. So, uh, and from what I've seen of him in, in Germany as well, and more importantly, what Daniel thinks, Daniel is quite clearly uh, him, Hugel and Pukki are now his three. They... Yeah. They are the three that he wants to push each other on. And, OK, it's probably going to be Pookie leading the line at Huddersfield. But but Adam Eder is firmly in that conversation for his head coach. So, certainly to the people who matter, i.e. Uh, the guy who decides who plays or doesn't for Norwich, I think he firmly is in his thoughts. Um, and this could be a big season for him. You know, he, he's, re- he's really shown at every level, a uh, youth group, that, that he's got something about him and he, he can score goals. We saw a glimpse of that in the FA Cup at, at Preston. Um, very difficult environment to throw him into a team hurtling back towards the, the championship. But I think this season, because there will be so much load on these players, the, you know, the volume of games, the abbreviated nature of the season, I think he will get opportunities. Then, as Daniel always says with these younger players, we bring them to the door, they have to walk through it themselves. If Adam Media gets himself in the team and starts scoring goals, we might look back in May and think, uh, yeah, he is now Norwich's main man. So, um, yeah, no, understandable that obviously after the hype of the Preston and then he made his Premier League debut at Manchester United, maybe it dropped off a little bit. And I think Daniel, in a quieter moment, maybe felt, well, OK, we've pushed him a little bit too far too soon. Let's just get him to take a step back, stay around the group, keep training as a first-team player. But now, you know, it's all about when is the right time to bring these young players in. I think you will see a bit more about Amida in the Championship, that is for sure. Right, Stefan and Connor, just another couple. Uh, yeah, Nathan, that, this is less of a question, more of a statement. Uh, he said uh, that he hopes that Norwich keep Todd Campwell. He said he'll tear up the league with someone like Kieran Dow beside him. Okay, right. Let's move on to the halftime entertainment then. Just have a little bit of a break. It's been an hour already. It's absolutely flown past. Um, and we've we've covered a fair bit, but there's still there's so much going on with Norwich at the moment, isn't there? But 
firstly, we have a bit of an announcement. This is uh, the first time this has uh, been revealed, but hopefully you'll all remember the sticker book Don't from last year. <laughs> this one is a little bit broken, but it is uh, it is completed. Um, one was my brother's one that I helped him complete. Well, good news. We have another one. We've been working away on that. Um, lockdown helped us a little bit with uh, planning for that, but there is another sticker book coming out this year. I won't put an exact date on it just for now with everything that's going on, but it will be later in this year, certainly be before Christmas. Um, slightly different vibe this year. Um, it's 15 memorable seasons from Norwich City history going all the way back to the 1959 FA Cup run. Um, there were, which our, our library at Archon, we've got some brilliant black and white photos from, from that Cup run and um, which makes some really, really lovely stickers actually. And we're, we're really pleased with uh, the quality of the images that we've been able to turn into stickers. So you've got, you know, the Milk Cup win in 85, the title win in 86, um, the more recent seasons. There's a real good spread through the Norwich City eras there. So hopefully that will, um, that will be really popular again. And one of the big things we found with the first sticker book was that it wasn't just popular with kids. It was very much popular with dads as well. Um, and that it spanned the age ranges and that we, we really had families collecting it together so we were we were really pleased with that and we were we were really pleased with how well it went uh, again there will be the 30 current Norwich first team players um although the awkward transfer window means there might it might be a tiny little bit out of date by the time it arrives but only a tiny bit um you know the majority of that Norwich squad is is already set isn't it so um hopefully that's really exciting and something that you guys will um will enjoy and to follow on nicely from that our halftime entertainment is a competition uh, the winner will be sent a sticker book and 20 packs of stickers. As soon as we get them into Archant Towers, as soon as we're able to send them out, we will do. Um, I put, uh, well, I selected two names at random from uh, the people who had signed up to Zoom, which is what I told Jezalo to keep watching because I think he was actually watching via Facebook. And the two names that I picked out at random were Jezalo and Toby Gould. So... I'm going to bring Connor and Paddy in here. We're going to have a quiz and Connor and Paddy are going to fight it out to see which of these lads is going to win. So I'm no going pressure, to... lads. No pressure, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dave, if this is about fashion, then I'm probably going to get stand a good chance, I would have thought. Uh, no. They are. <laughs> because it's you and Connor, I've made them pretty tough. There, there's some pretty tough questions in there uh, because obviously you both got pretty decent Norwich City knowledge. So Toby was the first name that I drew out. Um, if it's heads, you get Paddy. If it's tails, Toby gets Connor. So here we go. Can he catch it? Yes, he can. That's a good start. And it's heads. Toby, you've got Paddy. And Jez, you've got... Bad luck, mate. Bad luck Toby. Sorry, pal. <laughs> <laughs> so no pressure, boys. But um, basically, there's five questions. So by all means, join in with us at home. Um, if you've got a pen and paper handy, um, jot down your answers. And if you want to send us uh, a tweet, again, use that hashtag pink and live or comment on Facebook. Let us know how many you've got. But I'm going to go through the five questions here and we'll see which of those lads is going to be winning. Right. Question number one. A relatively easy one to ease you in. The last time Norwich played Huddersfield was a 3-0 away loss in April 2017. Four of the current City players were in the squad that night. 
can you name those four? Um, I'll come to you for the answers at the end. So just, just write them down for the time being. Um, That's the easy one. This isn't going to end well for Toby. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, I'll, I'll read the question again just to give you a little bit more thinking time. The last time Norwich played Huddersfield, was a 3-0 away loss in April 2017. Four of the current City players were in the squad that night. Can you name those four? I will give you a little hint. One of them was an unused substitute. That is a little hint. <laughs> That's that big, mate. <laughs> I, I think it might actually throw you off the scent, which is why... <laughs> so I didn't need that to throw me off the scent. <laughs> um, Right, this is one you'll be able to have a, a, a guess at, certainly. Uh, question number two. Kieran Dow, summer signing, has made 76 appearances in the championship so far during his career. How many goals has he scored in the championship? And I will give the point to whoever's closest out of Paddy and Connor. I'll repeat the question. Kieran Dow has made 76 appearances in the championship so far during his career. How many goals? Has he scored in the championship? Hey, apologies, I've got a quick call to take. Oh, Mr. Yep. No worries, mate. He's going to get the answer. <laughs> He's cheating. What a white. Ian right. Clark. <laughs> He's using that Google. Is that Paddy ringing him? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Toby moaning that he got Paddy. I've <laughs> 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 got a story for you. Oh, us on the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> right. Question number three. I think this is a toughie. Um, the last one, definitely tough. Well, I, I think it's tough. Uh, but number three, before Jordan Hugill became fully established at Preston, he had two loan spells. Can you name those two clubs? So, summer signing, Jordan Hugill, signed from West Ham, of course, recently. The question is, before Jordan Hugill became fully established at Preston, he had two loan spells. Can you name those two clubs? Okay. Now we're going to really crank it up. This, this one's tough. <laughs> Come on, Paddy. Keep smiling. I had to make it tough. I had to make it tough. Um, the, the the last one's definitely very difficult, but this one I, I think is, uh, is is doable. Number four, a Danal Sanani double for you. Two points up for grabs. How many times did Sanani win the title in Luxembourg before joining Norwich? And he lived in Luxembourg since the age of five, but which country was he born in? So a Sanani double header. Now I know both of you have written a fair bit about Danal. Um, Pad, I think you interviewed his Luxembourg manager, didn't you? And um, Connie, oh, yeah. you like that, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you remember his name off the top of your head? Luke Holtz. Luke Holtz. Oh, very good. Very good. Very good. And he rings oh, it. Oh, Luke, eh? The H man. <laughs> <laughs> His to be fair, I should have jumped in when we had that question earlier about Sinani. Um, and you mentioned about Corey. Corey's done us a nice background up, which is going in. Sounds like we're plugging every, everything we're doing here at a minute. But tomorrow's papers online as well, all about his journey from country X. Not that I know the answer, but I do. Uh, to 
to how he got to Car Road. So, yeah, that's just one to watch out for tomorrow. Good piece from Corey. Really interesting. Uh, I fear Paddy may have the edge on Connor on this one then. Uh, me, it's, the, it's the only answer I'll be getting right out of the box. <laughs> I will repeat the question just before we move on to the final one. Uh, Denal Sonani double for you. How many times did Sonani win the title in Luxembourg before joining Norwich? And he lived in Luxembourg since the age of five, but which country was he born in? Right, and finally, your fifth question. This one I think is a toughie, but I think Connor might, uh, might get this one. Um, I've got faith in you, mate. Lucas Rupp has played for four clubs in the Bundesliga. How many of those four can you name? I'll repeat it one more time. Lucas Rupp, signed in January, of course, has played for four clubs in the Bundesliga. How many of those four can you name? Right, boys, are you happy? Do you need a little bit more time? 30 seconds. Oh, come on, South. Well, yeah. I'll, get, I'll give you three seconds. You don't have to put the umlauts in, Connor. He's <laughs> already won, so let's, let's roll on. Let's roll on. Lakers, how tough do you think I've made that? Do you think it's been, uh, do you think I've gone too far? Well, you know, you said, do you know how many clubs he played for? My answer was none, so I'm correct. <laughs> I knew none of them, and I got that right. Well, no, I do. thought it was a really good quiz, actually. Very hard, but I thought Paddy. Uh, it was perfect timing. The Sonani questions. <laughs> That's a great read, by the way. Look, and I've look. been off today. I've been on the golf course, so I wasn't aware that that Sonani... Uh, I'm amazed you didn't put a there. golf question in. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I haven't managed to mention yet that I got a uh, par on the final hole of the day with a beautiful Ooh. drive that very nearly went in, but, you know, I'll, I'll no, move you on. you haven't mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark, um, how do you, you go on? Not very well, Dave. Uh, I'm, I'm, sti I'm, sti I'm still. Uh, I think I've got the first question. I think I've got three of the four. I can't believe yeah. hugging me the, the fourth. Yeah. Two. Okay. Right. Well, um, and Clark, you were off cheating. You were on Google getting all the answers, were you? No, no, no. I had, a, I had an important call to take, but I, I would have done rubbish. I'm, I'm glad that um, Mr. Southwell and Mr. Davitt were picked and not me to answer those. <laughs> the EDP's head of news does not have time for quizzes, he's, he's too important. <laughs> <laughs> right let's hit the answers then and find out who is winning that sticker book and 20 packs of stickers which i think i'm right in saying is 20 quids worth of stickers so not bad um don't take that as gospel though <laughs> uh, right the answer to number one then um the last time norwich played huddersfield was a 3-0 away loss in april 2017 four of the current city players were in the squad that night can you name those four tim closer Alex Tete, Michael McGovern, yeah. and Ben Godfrey. Really? Oh, Godfrey, right. Godfrey was the unused substitute. So, that was how, the hit. How many did you get? Three. Yeah, three. I also got three, yeah. And Connor, three. We've got a tie so far. Right. Do we Question do paper number... rock? Should we do... Are we not going to award the point then? I thought we could do a bit of paper rock. It's only because I was watching Sky this morning, I saw. Uh, Jamal Lewis doing a bit of uh, training. They were doing the rondo, you know, when they're in the middle. And yeah. him and Callum Wilson had to do. Obviously, there was a bit of dispute about who was who should have gone next in the rondo. I've gone down a right avenue here, haven't I? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just in terms do of tell us, point, in terms of the point, you know, the paper, rock, scissors, all that. We could do that for this point, couldn't we? Well, if I kind of hope you do draw now because paper, rock, scissors over Zoom could be uh, like a world first. <laughs> <laughs> 
that would be top entertainment. <laughs> um, but let's see if we get to that point. Um, uh, right, number two, Kieran Dowell has made 76 appearances in the championship so far during his career. How many championship goals has he scored? Pad, your guess. Nine. Nine. Connor. Oh, I went for 20. I feel like I've gone quite high now. Oh, Connor just nicks it. 16. Only oh, just, oh, though. Oh, well done, well done. Surely it's below. Uh, Bob is bust. <laughs> You're, no, no, closest, You're seven closest. away. He's six away. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, You're too young, young, Dave You didn't used to watch Bruce Forsyth play your cards right on Friday night (laughs) If you you went over You were bust, that was it, game over Never heard of me Number three Before Jordan Hugill became fully established at Preston He had two loan spells Can you name those two clubs? The answers are Hartlepool and Tranmere How'd you do? Yeah, I thought we'd be in North East. I went Carlisle, but obviously I was just slightly out. Berry. I, I got both of those, actually. You got both? Oh. Yes. Yeah. Impressive my, stuff. My, my dad has a weird soft spot for Hartlepool, which is the only reason I know that one. So it's a story for another day, probably. Was your dad Captain Canary as well? Does the suit pass down? <laughs> he was once, actually. Yeah, he was once. Um, <laughs> I think he had a defeat against Fulham, and it was about 30 degrees, and he really struggled. Brilliant. Right. So we just got to get you in the suit now. That's, that's a feature. I mean, Johnny Redhead did done. it once. Yeah, Johnny yeah. Redhead was that great or something, wasn't he? And that was about, what, 12 years ago or something now, and it may be more. Yeah. So he's a big lad, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> right. Connor takes the lead. Six to three. He leads Paddy. It's looking good oh, for Jez. Yes. We move to question four. Danal Sonani. How many times did he win the title in Luxembourg? That was twice. And he lived in Luxembourg since the age of five, but which country was he born in? Technically, it was Yugoslavia at the time, Serbia now, but it's Belgrade that he was born in. So I'll accept Yugoslavia or Serbia. How'd you do on those ones, Paddy? Well, else. Yeah. Just and the one for me. Yeah, just, just the, the one, one for me. I get him two more titles than, uh, than he won, so. Okey-doke. So that's seven, five. So it's still on. There's four points up for grabs. So... Pad, you've got to get all four here to have any chance. Um, the Lucas Rupp question, the decider. He's played for four clubs in the Bundesliga. How many of those four can you name? Pad, let's hear your attempts. Offenheim. Yep, one. Mönchengladbach. Two. Darmstadt. No. Didn't he play with Mario at Darmstadt, no? Paderborn. 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 Leave it out, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that's me gone, isn't it? I thought Freiburg maybe was the fourth one. Freiburg, no, it was Stuttgart, the other one. So how many of the four did you get, Connor? I got all four, actually, yeah. I thought oh, you might. they're dancing <laughs> in the streets of Norwich tonight. I don't think that's dispersions here, but we're just taking Connor at face value. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you can check my answer sheet there. Yeah, yeah. 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 Show yeah. All I'll, need a, please. I'll need a photo on Twitter, Mr. Southwell. Uh, no, I trust him. live. <laughs> Um, right, so let me just top up the scores. But that is seven out of 13 for Paddy. Six, seven, and 11 out of 13 for Connor. Well played, Mr. Southwell, the future Captain Canary. Jez Arlo, you are the winner. You're going to get 20 packs of stickers 
and a sticker book. We'll send that out to you. Um, so if you, uh, I'm not 100% if I can get access to your email after the call. So Jez, if you can get in contact with us, either just email me or, you know, the, the Pinkin or me on, on any social media feed and we'll get back to you. We'll get your address. Uh, if you don't co want to collect yourself, then uh, I'm sure, um, I'm sure um, you can find somebody who will be um, happy to take those stickers off your hands. But um, that was the halftime entertainment. And just a, a little bit, uh, just to go back again, that was last year's sticker book. Proved very successful, very popular. We're very pleased, although there are a few little things that we wanted to, to improve, which we've worked hard on this time. That will be coming later in the year, before Christmas. A uh, new sticker book, 15 memorable Norwich City seasons, the 30 um Norwich current first team players as well so loads to get your teeth into and um there'll be all the swap shops and things like that as long as uh, as long as those sort of things are allowed by then but let us know how you got on in the quiz as well in the Facebook comments hashtag pink and live on Twitter um right Connor let's go back to the Facebook comment oh Mark sorry I'm gonna have to make a move chaps all right it's been, been yep. lovely joining you all and uh, I shall see you again soon thanks ever so much for the comments Good chaps much. all right and guys Thank you, mate. Cheers, guys. We'll catch you later. He's a Liverpool fan. He's bored with championship chatter. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to go and brush up on my championship knowledge now, mate, all right? He's, he's still <laughs> furious over the Jamal Lewis stuff. Oh, right, exactly, right. mate. Yeah. He didn't bite some before. Great, I thought he'd bite about that. Liverpool. Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> because you are United. Polish the silver, mate. <laughs> Asterix. Cheers, mate. Yeah, cheers, guys. So... Mark is removed from the conversation, but um, Connor, <laughs> um, let me just uh, come back to you for some Facebook comments. I'd imagine there's some few. Have we had any? Have we had any quiz results? Has anyone managed to better Connor's eleven? Uh, no quiz results as yet, so I'll, I'll let you know if uh, any of those come out. A few comments and questions though. Uh, Rhino Phil is very pleased about another sticker book he said I collected uh, with my daughter. It's the only sticker book I've ever completed, so that's, yeah, that's good brilliant. news. Excellent. Uh, Robert Elston has said, which player do you think will be the most important for Norwich this season? For me, uh, it's going to be Hernandez or Emi Buendia, who's fantastic at this level last time around. So I guess uh, to flip that question, because we kind of answered it, maybe the player who was here last season, maybe we, we could answer that, who will be the most important of sort of the, the, the players who were around last year, as opposed to the new signings. Okay, so yes. So who would be the most important of the players who were already here, is how we're theming that. Okay, uh, Clark, if I come to you on that, then if that's all right. Well, I said Dowell as my player of the season, so I'm going to go for Timu as the most important because, you know, as, as a certain Scottish manager once said, if you didn't score, you'd only win, and goals are going to be really vital. So I still think. Who was that? <laughs> jock Steam, wasn't it? Oh, please, you said Jock. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, th I think he is going to be the man to start up, up top. Um, and yeah, so I think he's going to be really important. Connor, back to you. Uh, yeah, Edward has asked, do you think that Jordan Hugill will be first choice striker if Timu Puki doesn't start firing soon? Hmm. Chris, what do you think of the strikers? I mean, I think we're, I think most of us are expecting Timu to start at Huddersfield, aren't we? Yeah, I think, uh, I think he will. Um, but he's in competition now. You know, I mean, the problem, I guess, would be if you didn't have um, uh, Puki starting, then it's a very different type of striker that you've got if you start Hugo. Um, just referring to a question before about Adam Eder. Um, Adam Eder's a different beast to what he was a year ago. I was talking to somebody who knows him from the club quite well last week. And they said he was a big lad a year ago. 
Now he's a big lad who uses his size properly. Yeah. Before he didn't, he didn't take full advantage of his whole body. And he's, he's built like a, you know, outhouse. Um, <laughs> but he uses his strength properly now. Um, so I don't think he should be written off, you know. I, 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 Paddy alluded to it earlier, you know, that the, he's very much in the picture. Obviously, he's not going to be in the same amount as, as the other two lads, but he's really going to push them, as is Hugel going to push Pookie. That, to me, is the order. I think the assumption is that Pookie um, will be able to rediscover his form. If he doesn't, I think Hugel, he'll jump all over it. It was a really interesting situation, actually. I've written something this week saying the first person everybody will be looking at on Saturday, if he plays, will be Pookie. That is everybody's waiting for him to score. Oh, yeah. I, I, mean, watched, I watched him in one international and I thought he was okay. You and Robert said he thought he was well off the pace. So that was the game against Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, second game, apparently, he played a lot better. I didn't watch that, but... You know, he was well off it before. Really, really well off it. Paddy, I don't know how what you thought about him in, in Germany and whether that counts in the same way, but, you know, he, he, he's got to up his game because right over his shoulder, two good players. Yeah, all I would say, Chris, I mean, he did score twice over there and both from mm. open play and, and uh, that will have given him a little shot of confidence. Uh, not so much the second goal in the Darmstadt game because that was just a um, lovely ball from Quintilla and he just literally dropped onto his foot. But the... The goal he scored against Dresden was the pookie we remember in his pomp where he's made that run down the channel, Steeperman's time, the pass to perfection. And, you know, we go back to the Man City game, final day of the season. He's in with the keeper to beat and you never really fancied him, but he put that away. Okay, it's pre-season, there's no pressure on him, but hopefully that just unlocks something because he won't get too many chances. He certainly won't be leading the line for Norwich if he's not scoring goals in the first two months. So the pressure is on that man. He must know that. Hugo's been brought in for decent money for Norwich. They've got, he's got Ida snapping at his heels and that's what Farker wants. He wants intense competition in every outfield part of the pitch. I think Tim Krull's obviously nailed on for the keeper, but in front of him, he needs to know if you're the guy in possession, you're not delivering, then you're out of the team. And, and, and I think that's the interesting... I, I was quite quite open, candid last season. I thought maybe we've seen his best days. I think he's gone over the top now. He's played a lot of football for club and country. Uh, and I still remain to be convinced that isn't the case. But certainly the pressure is on that man starting at Huddersfield Saturday to get off the mark. Because in this team, you would feel with the creativity around him, there won't be an excuse like he had maybe towards the second part of the Premier League season. He wasn't getting the chances. He should, he should get plenty of chances in this team, in the Championship. Can he take them? Just yeah, momentum in the team, isn't it? You think in the championship last time, you know, he got on a roll and was scoring goals regularly. Beginning of last season, got that goal at Liverpool, got the three against Newcastle and kept scoring. Then he had that dry patch, got injured. And for me, after that Leicester injury, was never, never rediscovered that form from earlier in the year. So if he can get on it and start scoring early doors, then I think he could get, I think he could get on a roll. But he needs to, needs to get on the sheet pretty quickly. I could see him going on a you know, a real patch of form. If he gets one and just sort of gets the, the monkey off his back, as it were, to 
to, you know, it would just be such a release of, of pressure. And he's obviously got the ability to do it in the championship. And it would be a great story if, if he did. Um, right, we're going to bring in uh, some audio on Zoom again in, in just a minute. We've got Callum and we're going to bring in Johan again as well, because I did want to ask Johan uh, uh, where he was calling from in America and stuff as well. But there was a couple of comments I just wanted to read uh, first on the quiz. Uh, Johan got seven. Um, so uh, Toby, enjoying the chat, Good. Uh, got about one of the questions. So Paddy beat me. <laughs> so Good there you go. Toby with you. <laughs> um, and this one's for you, Chris, um, uh, with a Kings Lynn vibe. Uh, oh, yeah. Chris, can it only benefit Norwich having a local team in Kings Lynn higher up the football pyramid? Yes. Okay. I think so. You, like you mentioned Kings Lynn. <laughs> you mentioned yeah. Kings Lynn. Can it benefit yeah, yeah. Kings Lynn? Yes, it can. Um, Ian Culverhouse knows the club, but you know what? I don't think Ian Culverhouse is one of those who goes, oh, I'll just get a player from Norwich. That's not the way it works. But what he's got there is a lot of lads who all know each other. They turn Jamal Loza. He's walked in not to an empty dressing room of, of faces he doesn't know. He knows these people, like not from years ago, but today. So they're all quite familiar. Um, he's got Archie Mayer and Simon Power on loan. Simon Power was fantastic in a few games he played last season. Um, if he can repeat that, and the crowd absolutely adored him because he lives up to his surname. He's got a lot of power and he's excited. And Archie Mayer, we've not seen him yet because he's been on, on other duty, which is fantastic that Kingsley's goalkeeper is on Scotland under-21's duty. Um, yeah. I say goalkeeper, him or Alex Street, of course. So, yeah, I think it can benefit. Neil Adams is a regular at Lynn watching the lads. He, they don't put players, uh, and I'm sure you guys know a, bit more, well, a lot more than me about this, they're not going to put players into Kings Lynn if it's not the right place because they're valuable commodities. Archie Mayer doesn't get sent out there to help Kings Lynn out. That's a byproduct. He's there as a Norwich City future goalkeeper. So he's it has to be good. His, he's got a battle on his hands, though, hasn't he? Because Alex Street is, is you know, the oh, real yeah, established yeah. number one. Well, I did ask Ian Culverhouse if he's now got a new number one. And he said, no, no, there are no uh, conditions put on the loan. Mm. If Alex Street's the better goalkeeper at the time, Alex Street will play. But Alex Street hasn't had competition for two or three years at least now. Um, the only competition has been Paul Bastock. <laughs> but, I mean, to be honest with you, tell you what, he's still doing a decent job. But, you know, that's, that's not good enough. The national league level, it's definitely not good enough. Um, so, Alex Street will benefit, I think. Bastock's the world record holder for football Yes, years. he achieved that for Wisbech Town at Thetford in the FA Vars. Very nice man is Paul Bastock. Loves a game of golf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I'll probably ask you for a game of golf now. Oh, well, there we go. I'm, I'm always open to a game of golf. There's a, the, uh, in answer to the gentleman, yeah, yeah, it's good, good for Lynn. I, yeah. I can guarantee he'd beat me. Um, <laughs> it's Kings in a kind of like the uh, version of Norwich last year, then, aren't they? When Ralph Thurman came in as the, that strong competition for for Krull, and it worked. It got the best out of Krull. So mm. you know that'll be an, an intriguing battle. And if, if Mayor wants to be an Norwich City goalkeeper in the future or wants to have a professional future, then he's got to edge Alex Street out, hasn't he? He's got Absolutely. to and, and show. So that'll be um, really interesting. Right, uh, producer Tony, if I can um, give you the heads up, if we can bring in Callum next via, um, via the audio, uh, who is, uh, who's got a question for us, hopefully. Evening, chaps. Curious, all right? Hi, Callum. Thanks for joining right. us. Thank Brilliant. Thank you for putting on tonight. Fantastic so far. Thank you. Um, yeah, my question was just about uh, Daniel and Stuart. Um, just sort of thinking in the next few years, 
obviously Stewart's contract's coming up soon and he's made it quite clear he doesn't necessarily want to renew. He wants to play a part in finding us a replacement. I just wonder what your thoughts are in where where we go after the weather era because I think we've done so well and as a as a fan I really don't want us to go back to where we were beforehand. Yeah. Um I know that you know just reading um reading around recently I've seen that actually Farker had a spell as a sporting director. <laughs> yeah. In Germany. So, you know, is that a possibility? Does Farker come on as, you know, if he if he likes Norwich, if he if he's up for the challenge, does he stay around? You know, I I just just was interested to to hear what you thought because I don't think it's something that gets spoke about much um is what would happen when Weber departs. Okay, well, so his contract's 2022, isn't it? Um, uh, of course, we were all down there interviewing him when he signed that. That was just after the Man City win, which is almost a year to the day, wasn't it? <laughs> um, so, Stuart, um, you know, you can sort of understand his thinking that he wants a new challenge. He, he's talked about maybe working abroad. But, Pad, I have actually voiced that uh, sort of uh, theory to you, haven't I, in our, one of our long away journeys as to whether Daniel might be the man who succeeds Stuart long term and I, I was probably being a, a little bit of flippant when I suggested it but it's not totally impossible is it he has got experience of that role but I, I guess in terms of, of Stuart that if, if he can get them up this year and then leave them as a Premier League mid-table club I think everybody would be um, I guess if, if, if he wants his for his own personal reasons to leave then that would kind of be the ideal scenario wouldn't it yeah it would but immediately as you mapped out that scenario I'm thinking you know the person who follows the person, i.e. David Moyes going in to replace Sir Alex at Man United, that would be a thankless task because how do you improve? And a lot of that conversation that Callum's raising is obviously wrapped around the ownership. And and if it's the current ownership and the current ownership model, when Stuart departs, then you're basically looking for another Stuart Webber. And uh, and if he's managed to do that, then it's going to be very hard to strike as lucky as as they did before. Albeit, as Callum rightly says, he... He, he feels such a, a debt to Michael and Delia that they gave him the opportunity because the remit he's got now wasn't like for like at Huddersfield. You know, he, he didn't have the freedom or, or the independence to, to really run the show uh, as he has at Norwich and because of that. And don't forget as well, that first season under, under, under Farker and Weber wasn't going completely to plan. You know, they finished below Ipswich, didn't they, in the championship. There was plenty of times in that season where you know, ourselves in the media, more than a, a, a decent proportion of fans were going, well, this this brave new world doesn't seem to be working. I'm not sure what Weber and Farker are, are the people to take this forward. So he remembers that. He remembers that period. He got fully backed by Delia and Michael and he feels a gratitude towards them to the extent where perhaps unusually he will move on because he won't sign another deal. He's made that quite clear. It, so if it is 2022, then, but by doing that, he's not going to leave the seat vacant. He's going to do everything in his power to find a replacement. That's a very interesting dynamic. It's not too often at top-level football you have a, a very important role in a club, i.e. sporting director, um, actually pretty much shaping what their successor looks like. But that is part of what Norwich are trying to do. That It, it isn't the boom and bust cycle of you fall out of the Premier League, right, get rid of their coach slash manager get rid of loads of players and, and, and spend money to try and get back there. They're trying to do something a bit more organic, a bit more evolutionary. And that will also apply to who comes after Fargo and who comes after Weber. Weber, less urgent, because ultimately, as we, we'll, we'll all know, sitting here, every fan will know, watching this, listening to this, given they lost 10, 11 games on the spin back end of last season, if, if Norwich continue in that fashion, then 
Daniel Varker won't be in charge. It's as simple as that, and and it, it could it, it, that could conceivably happen way before Christmas. So, I think in terms of Daniel's position, that hinges completely on how they start this season um, over the next two months or so. Um, and there is a realistic sense that he is putting something together which can give him a good chance to get straight back out again. Um, so that, to me, in this debate, would be less of an issue. Stuart has, has said to me, he said to others. He, if Daniel was to go tomorrow, and whether that was Daniel gets, gets an offer and feels he wants to go, or they feel that the results aren't where they need to be for the investment he's had this summer, and they have to make a change, Stuart Webber knows who he wants to be, Daniel Parker's replacement, because if he didn't know, he's not doing his job right in terms of succession planning. I think the more interesting debate, because the sporting director role in this model is absolutely pivotal. Daniel says it all the time, you know, really Stuart Webber is the most important employee at this football club. And so finding a replacement for him, if it is that he runs through to 22 and then he departs, it's not too big a stretch to say that could shape the future direction of this football club, irrespective of what league they're in come the summer of 22. If they don't get that appointment right and the ownership model is stays as it is, then you know the club could easily go the other direction because you cannot underestimate the job that that man has done, the turnaround from what he inherited to where they are now. And OK, on the pitch, it was a blip last season. They've dropped back out of the Premier League. But as Daniel always says, they've probably got their ahead of schedule anyway. So right here, right now, he's done a phenomenal job. And, and I think that is massive shoes to fill. And we're probably going to be thankful that he's going to play a part because he feels he owes that gratitude to, to the owners. I, I've got a, a slight theory about the sporting director position. I don't oh, know okay. if, it'll, if it'll come true. Um, but I, I just wonder whether... You're taking a role on Connor. Is that what you're going to tell us? Captain <laughs> <laughs> Canary is. Oh, yeah. um, I, but because of the time frame that he's mapped out in terms of a, a couple of years, it wouldn't surprise me to see uh, perhaps an internal appointment come in and, and take that role. And for me, it wouldn't surprise me, given that Stuart Webber came in from a, a background of recruitment, to see someone like Kieran Scott end up in, in that position, for example, who's head of recruitment at the club. And um, Because if, if you've got two years, then effectively that allows you to almost have someone shadow you, doesn't it? And explain the sort of intricacies of, of the job because the reality is, in terms of this position, it's still fairly new in this country. There aren't too many um, decent sporting directors in, in, in Britain, in, in the United Kingdom so far. So they probably have to, to look abroad, I think, if, if they're going to find an experienced option. Um, the only one that comes to mind really is, is Ross Wilson, who's at Rangers at the moment, has been at Southampton and I think Huddersfield as well after, after Stuart Webber. So um, it's quite a, a, a limited list. So I just wonder whether they'll, they'll shape someone at the club, if it's not Kieran Scott, even potentially someone like Neil Adams, for example. These, these are characters who could get to grips with that job and, and maybe know what it's about looking at, at Stuart sort of in close quarters over the last couple of years. Yeah, interesting point. Great question, Callum. Thank you very much very for that. Tony, if we can get Johan um, lined up um, for the uh, for the next question. Um, and I just wanted to, obviously we had Johan on a little bit earlier and I meant to come back to you and, and ask whereabouts you are in America, where you sort of follow us and, and, and how you came to follow Norwich, et cetera. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in Colorado, um, but I actually went to uh, Blakeney when I was nine. And okay. So we, uh, we, you know, I actually ended up buying a kit when I was nine years old and didn't really follow very much, but then got back into it when I got older. So that's kind of how it all started. Ah, good man, good man. Uh, did you have another question for us? Yes, I did. Um, it's kind of a quick two-part one. I, I just haven't heard much about Todd Cantwell. You know, I think there's been a lot of talk about, you know, he had a breakthrough season last year but does his style transfer to championship again you know so so maybe a little discussion about that and then the away kit you know i like it just want to see 
<laughs> okay, the the petrol blue, right? Uh, yes. Let me just. I'll get Clark. I'll come to Paddy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Clarky, I'll, I'll come to you on Todd in just a second, but let me just uh, just interject very quickly, just to say we're we're into extra time now. <laughs> we weren't sure how sort of um, well this would go, but, is it, but thank you so much for all your comments and questions. This has really flowed quickly, um, but we have been going over ninety minutes now, um, so we'll call it um, we'll call half seven as our as our end point. So we'll start sort of moving towards wrapping up things soon. We're we're into our extra time, but. Clarky, um, as Mr. Deerham, as, as a man who's known about Todd Campwell's talents for, for a long time, as, as many Norwich City fans have, how do you sort of assess his situation at City? I, yes, I mean, it's a great question. Um, I, I think he can flourish in the, in the championship. Um, I, for me, he was the one who was most talked about by a lot of the pundits um, during the Premier League, even, even in the later days when things weren't going well, people would still talk about how well he was playing. I think, I think he's wised up. I think he's stronger now. I think his attitude has been generally good. I think his all-round game, he works hard. You know, he's shown he can score goals. I mean, those early goals that he was getting, getting in great position, I think his awareness is, is, is really good. Um, and I think, you know, he's, he's still got stuff to learn. And, you know, it's a, you know, it's a really long season in, in the championship. And clearly, if he's still at Carroll Road in, you know, during this, during this whole campaign, he will be, you know, an integral part. So to get through a 46-game season physically is going to be a big ask. Um, but yeah, I, I think he can do it, and and I really, really hope not just because um, I'm the number one member of his fan club, but um, you know, to, to to be able to keep a lad of his quality after having gone down would be a would be a huge coup for the club. So. Stay there, Todd. Do it, and um, maybe you'll prove me wrong, and it'll be you rather than Kieran Dowell that'll be the number one man. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how it goes for Todd because, you know, in the championship before, um, it, the pace of it and the physicality didn't necessarily seem to fit him. But you, obviously, he was still developing, still young. Whereas he got into the Premier League, and he just looked like he fitted in with the pace of it, didn't he? So um, that's going to be Chris. If I just come to you a, a little bit on Todd, I, I think a lot of people have been making the comparison between Jack Grealish, haven't they? And that he had those three seasons in the Championship with Villa, and it's really sort of completed his development as a player. You know, he's made his England debut this week as well, hasn't he? So do you think that Todd's better to stay with Norwich or or do you think he is one who, who needs to, like Jamal, he, he needs to stay in the Premier League? I think he could do well. He's had his almost season in the Premier League, but probably not as much in the um, Championship. You, you see the others have, have got experience, you know, Jamal Lewis. Uh, Max Aaron's, Ben Godfrey have all got that championship and Premier League experience. I think it will do Todd well because he's going to get a bit of a kick in this year, you know. I don't like to say anything about Deerham's finest, but he does attract He does attract the more physical side of a footballer, I'd say. I think they might just not... I'm not talking about his blonde hair and his Alice band. I'm talking about his little tricks. I can see some horrible old defender from Rotherham saying, you do that again, son, I'm going to break your knee. You know, they're, they're, they're... sorry about that, Rotherham defenders. But um, <laughs> I, I do think that he's, he needs to have the experience of the championship. It would improve his game in my, in my mind because if he can get through it, you make a point, Clarkie, 46 games. It's a lot. This is a, a lad who's fairly early, well, very early in the, his career. It's a very embryonic state he's in. Um, I think he could really blossom, actually. 
thinking mm. about it. If he can get through it, if he can just get a bit res- respect from opponents because he's a very talented footballer and they don't go trying to kick him here, there and everywhere, mm. then yeah, I think he could have a good season. And he's a good footballer. I, mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I love watching him. I and mean, when he's got the ball, you think, good, something's going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, it could be, it really could be, if he can get through this season, I think he could be a really, really big player somewhere. I think it could just finish in Norwich for many, many years. You know, you think he's too good for that. Yeah, I mean, Villa made Grealish captain, didn't they? And I I think as much as ability on the pitch, it might just be about completing the maturing process with Taji, just just completing his sort of progression to to being a, a, you know, a man who's who's ready to handle when some tough defender is going to get in his face and try and rile him and say, what's that ponytail all about? Because he's going to get those comments, but he's had them all his life, hasn't he? he, And in in a way, he relishes it, I think. Yeah, Uh, the one thing with Grealish, it gets me a little bit. I think he, he, he looks good when he's got the ball, um, he's the, the most fouled player in the Premier League, I think. I think I'd alter that and say he was the player who had the most fouls given against him because he certainly wasn't fouled most of the times that whistle went. Madison does um, it as well, doesn't he? Yeah, but Grealish has made it an art form. And, and whilst I think he's a very good footballer, I don't think he's as good as people say. I, I mean, he wouldn't have got into my... I was quite surprised he was in the England squad because I think he just looks the part, but... No, I'm not having that he's he's there yet. I think there's a footballer in him, but no. Nah. Mm. I, I, okay. I, I can see Cantwell doing better than Grealish in the long run. Yeah. All right. Well, um, good question, Johan. Thanks for them. Um, the uh, away kit then, Pad, if I can come to you on that, as <laughs> you're wearing the uh, appropriate coloured jumper. It's not quite a petrol blue, though, is it? But, um, oh, it is. The uh, reaction. What screen are you watching, boys? It's emerald green. Emerald green. All right, get yourself down to Gorston. Yeah. <laughs> well, they um, don't play in those colours, I can tell you. <laughs> well, we we saw it on Saturday, didn't we? Up close and personal, the away kit. Um, it looked, you know, it is very much a blue. There is a is a green tint to it, but you know, anybody that gets too wound up about an away kit, they're going to wear a few times. Probably needs to have a word with themselves, really, because it doesn't really matter. And and as we wrote at the time, um, you know, they've worn blue loads of times. They literally they wore blue when they played the away game against Vitesse Arnhem. Um, they've had some nice blue away kits as well. But um, yeah, what what did you make for the reaction to it, Pat? Oh, it was pre- pretty predictable, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd have been picking a blue colour um, for for <laughs> obvious connotations with certain teams over the border, but. Um, particularly if ultimately your commercial types, you would think a kit launch is about selling kits. So even if there was only a small, I, I wouldn't want to put a number on the constituency of Norwich fans who would never, on pain of death, buy a blue kit. Um, but you're still missing out on sales. So that's me looking on from an observer position. They must have had their reasons. Um, I don't get too aerated about kits, full stop. It, once you got past the 1987 FA Cup final winning kit for Coventry, <laughs> that's that's kits. That's all you need to know about kits. It went downhill for Nancy Clark. He's got his on today. Is that the uh, playoff winning one, mate? Twenty fifteen. Um, Nathan Redmond yeah. one. Yeah, it's yeah. the Nathan Redmond. Is what Nathan Redmond shirt? Top man. Is yeah. No, oh, his actual shirt or just his shirt name on the back. Well, I'm a bit old school, as I've proved tonight. Yellow home, green away. End of story. Yeah, yeah. By all the what I will say is apparently, I, I don't know, um, but because I haven't seen it, but the third kit apparently uh, all the players are in universal support of. Don't think that's necessarily the uh, case without naming names with the petrol blue version, but uh, third kit, 
apparently the nicest of the three. So, so the players would tell you. End Emerald of September. Green. It's not Emerald Green. No, no, no. No, no, I won't go any further. I'll get into trouble. Not with hoops, it. is it? No, I want my car. I can't cut any more, can I? I'll be, I'll be hauled on hoops. Can possibly, yeah. can possibly. But um, kits are kits, you know. If you get aerated yeah. by kits, then you know you probably. I would say if you lined up ten Norwich fans, there'd be a proportion of them would not 11, be happy. Eleven opinions. Yeah. yeah. So uh, is what it is, isn't it? Um, it was was a good campaign, given it was the uh, the key workers modelling the kit. That was a nice touch, mm. but. Uh, I think uh, I think the first, I think ultimately they played it on Saturday and they got beat. So as you rightly say, DF, I don't think there's going to be too many opportunities to see the blue kit slash petrol from here on. All right, lovely job. Right, well, for the last time tonight, Connor, if I come to you for some Facebook comments, and then I'm going to come to each of you um, just to to see out the show, um, and I'm going to ask you about what your one concern is going in to the your main concern before it all kicks off, about what might go wrong for Norwich City. So, Connor, over to you. Uh, yeah, we'll start with Harry Robert Walden Jr., who's been kind enough to include his full name. Uh, he said, in my opinion, there won't be any relegation hangover on our new signings as they weren't involved with us last season. Um, I also think they will see it as one straight defeat rather than 12, um, probably in terms of mentality and, and stuff like that. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think that's a good point. And that's exactly why Stuart and Daniel were so keen to make that fresh start so quickly. You know, 11 players, you know, 13 if you include McCallum and um, City coming in as well. Um, we'll see whether City is actually involved in the first team too much. He did make his debut on Saturday, didn't he, when they were sort of down to the bare bones. But, um, yeah, that's certainly how they should be looking at it. You know, Kieran Dowell hasn't, hasn't lost 12 games in a row, has he? No, none of those new lads have. And you've got to hope that that enthusiasm and positivity bleeds into the rest of the squad. Yeah, and uh, final one on Facebook for this evening from Tracy Ricks. Uh, she said, would you like to see Norwich play with two wingers uh, with Timu Puki up front? Okay, uh, Pat, can I come to you on that? Yeah, I wouldn't be averse to it. I think, And I think that's kind of with Pajeta and Hernandez, you will see that. Now, whether you'll see that as his go-to starting formation all the time, probably not. I think while he's still got Cantwell and Buendia in the building and Dow and Steeperman, he's still going to favour probably that more technically uh, you know, clever player rather than out-and-out out raw power and pace, which those two guys seem to be bracketed. But by the same token, when they brought in Pajeta, they said they felt they didn't have enough of that in the squad. So that to me, straight away says, okay, they maybe feel they need to mix it up a little bit. Maybe it'll become a little bit too predictable. And Daniel, in terms of wanting to dominate the ball, that's fine. But you do need to have a little bit of a um, a wild card to throw in. And uh, that guy in pre-season certainly has something about him. And uh, I thought Hernandez, again, clinging to straws, I thought he was as good as any during the project restart period. So it isn't beyond the realms that we see those two paired together. But uh, I think at the outset, it's probably going to still be a little bit more of what we associate with how Daniel sets up his midfield. Good stuff. Right, Connor, thank you very much for playing for all those comments. Clark, if I can come to you first for our finishing question, I, I wanted to, to ask everybody what their the one concern, the nagging concern that is there, you know, because it's easy when you go into the first day of the season, just like when a new player is signed, it's easy to be optimistic, isn't it? It's easy to be positive. It's, you're only thinking about what can go right. And the same, as with transfers, things can go terribly wrong. You know, there's no, Norwich fans know that better than anyone. 7-1 defeat to Colchester, 2009. No one will ever forget it. It was an absolute unmitigated disaster. But it 
you know, as one door closes, another opens, and it started what was something pretty special. So, as we head into that opening day at Huddersfield on Saturday, what's the one little concern you still have? I think, you know, my starting point is generally positivity, but I, so I think there was a lot of that, but I, I guess it's just transferring the the positivity there is that, that you know the, the, as we've said earlier on the variety and volume and quality of the, the lads that have come in and just being able to turn all of that into the reality of getting win after win after result after grinding out a draw and almost putting the the ingredients that we've got into a, a good meal that's going to be tasty and successful in the championship so almost you know, putting putting the money where the mouth is, and not just all looking good, but actually working. And you know, the the, the cold night in Rotherham, being kicked about by Lakers mate at centre back, um, and just, <laughs> just oh, not watching. I'm going to be kicked about. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, so basically just making it all happen on the day. Okay, hey. right, Lakers. I'll come to you next, and then I'll come to Connor, and then we'll close with Paddy. Um. Norwich on the injury front last season I started to believe that you know you can make excuses but that was downright awful what happened with all the injuries I just hope that doesn't happen again because once that happens to your frontline players you might as well throw your plans down the toilet because it did change a lot and I think I'm a great believer that half of football is played between the ears and I think once that starts to happen that bad luck it just transfers to players and the weakest minds will let it fester and fester. So I just hope they have luck on their side. Uh, and they didn't last year. They may have gone down anyway. They may have gone down without a fight. Had every player been 100% fit, but I bet they wouldn't have been the same. So I just hope they have, uh, they, they deserve a little bit of luck. It's a very twee answer, but to be honest with you, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an accurate issue that they have to... That, just get past, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, and sure. also the shirts, because shirts are important. They worry <laughs> me. I'm worried um, about this third kit. If Paddy likes it and he thinks that's emerald green, <laughs> well, if they, emerald green. If they haven't got a rainbow kit next year, then their marketing department don't pay attention that's to zebra kits. kits. That's what you need. Zebra kits. That that ASIC sort of mock up with the rainbow one on the white well, that the fans. Bad. A bit, a bit like Connor's one. That was clearly getting a lot of love amongst Norwich fans. So if they haven't already got that lined up for for next season, then uh, they are they're missing a trick. Um, right, Connor, come to you then with your your concern. Yeah, my my main concern is again with with the defensive side of things. I just hope that there's an improvement. I'm not necessarily talking about the personnel in in terms of the injuries and stuff, which has obviously been said, but more in terms of the overall structure. I think if they are going to challenge and they are going to go up and almost change the narrative when they when they do get promoted in terms of how they defend, then it's important that we see some improvement defensively. Um, and that's the whole structure. That's not just individually on, on the defenders. I think clearly um, the concern is that they can't replace Alex Tetty again, that they are reliant on him, um, that they do see too many goals, that they are too open when they give the ball away, that they are too easy to, to counter-attack against. So... For me, it's it's the solidity and, and hoping that they can find some improvement in that. And that, for me, is the concern because um, although there was a 10-game spell in his first season under Daniel Farker, there hasn't really been 
enough evidence to show that, and again, this is probably a wider debate about the tools he's had available to him, that he can transition a team from being really slick and really fluid in possession to one that can, can shut the doors, essentially. So, um, yeah, for me, it's the concern still about the defence and, and the defensive structure and um, making sure that they get that right again um, as their big area in terms of improvement, I think, on last season, but equally when they won the, the title as well. Because if Sheffield United, Wolves, etc., all these teams that have gone up and done really well, even Leeds last season, they knew how to grind out a, a 1-0 win. Norwich need to have a bit about that about them a, a bit a bit of that about them again, um, if if they are to to get promoted and them thrive in the Premier League. So yeah, I, I'd say defensively is my concern and and the need for to to get that right. Well, let's just hope we're talking about promotion at the end of the season. I'm I'm very concerned because one of my best mates is getting married in April and it's like the fourth at the moment. It clashes with like the fourth from last home game or fourth from last game of the season. The QPR at home, I think it is. So. If they are in the promotion mix, I've got an uh, interesting decision to, to make. Um, Pad, just before I come to you, we've got a couple of comments coming through on Zoom. Toby's nagging concern is that the defence will not improve with the current system, no matter who you put in. Um, you know, as we've spoken about a lot under Daniel Farker during the championship title winning season, I think it was 57 goals they conceded, wasn't it? So they managed to outscore teams to win the championship title. But yeah, I think everybody would like to see there's just that little bit more pragmatism in there, or, or certainly a lot of people. Uh, and Duo says, my concern is that the likes of Godfrey, Aaron's, Cantwell and Buendia start the season strongly, only to be nicked by a Premier League club, which is a very good point as well, given that the uh, transfer deadline, I think, is October the 5th, and then it's the 16th when the domestic window closes and the window is totally closed. But the final word to Mr Davitt. Well, it's already been taken. I've had a mayor here. I was going to throw in about defensive <laughs> side, and then Connor's fair enough pointed out. So I thought the next thing I'll talk about is the short-term loss of players and duos have stole me thunder there. So I might want to wrap it up, mate, and pass over me. But ultimately, right. ultimately, yeah, I think I guess it was the throw an alternative one to those two, and it is the is the goat. Can we get the goat firing? Because if 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 we don't, I'm not sure. You know. Everything that Farker sets up, he's so important to. It wouldn't be just taking him out of the equation. Hugel and, to a lesser extent, Eda would almost have to go through a period of acclimatisation and adaptation, and, and they certainly haven't got the time. They have to hit the ground running. Yes, there might be the odd kink in the road in the first six, seven, eight games, but there needs to be clear signs that um, what's gone is gone, and this is a new era and a positive era as well. And, and if within that mix... You've got a guy at the front who's so important to not only the goal scoring, but also how they play in open play. If he's not really doing what he needs to be doing, then that injects a major issue for me in terms of how this season can pan out. Well, there we go. I think if that hasn't teed up the championship season for you, I don't know what will. Um, Joachim Broberg says on Facebook, who's he, sort of read my mind a little bit, he said, end the show with some positives, Mr. Freezer, with a smiley face. And that's what I think we have that little bit of moan right at the end there. Get it off our chests so they're all feeling ready. And now, now, yeah, it's the opening day of the season. We should feel positive. Or certainly fans should feel positive. That's that, that's that one time of the season where your team aren't losing they're not bottom of the table they can't, it hasn't gone wrong you can only feel hopeful about what's to come if you don't feel hopeful on the opening day then uh, there's not much point of, of enjoying football is there but unless you're Wiccan Wanderers who are bottom alphabetically and then the bookies think they're going to stay there anyway well, for Wickham, it's quite the achievement to be in the championship, isn't it? If they stay up, that would be a great story. But lovely little stadium at Adams Park. So looking forward to going back there. That was where um, 
for those who uh, I'm sure plenty of you listen to the scrimmage on Radio Norfolk as well, um, the uh, Jordan Rhodes, it don't matter, was born. That was uh, when me and Chris Gorham were interviewing, interviewing him after the game when he, uh, he scored his hat-trick in the League Cup, didn't he? That was, that was where Jordan Rhodes' little catchphrase was born. But um, yes, by all means, feel positive, feel excited about Huddersfield. It's going to be a weird season, isn't it? We, as we spoke about earlier, we don't know when the fans are going to be back there. Us guys who are lucky enough to be at the games, we desperately want you all back there, if, even if that is... A thousand as pilot games in October for Carrad. It'd just be great to have a step in the right direction. But of course, it's got to be done when it's safe to do it. We're living in strange times, but just enjoy the football as much as you can if you're allowed to uh, in your bubble of six or whatever to have a few beers with your mates at home. Now, I don't think we're going to get too much more barbecue weather, but enjoy it as much as you can. And let's just have oh, a bet on it. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Clark. You don't want to break it to you, but the barbecue might have to go away soon. <laughs> it never goes away. <laughs> so, there we go. That is the end of the first Pink and Live. And as I said at the top of show, the show, what we hope is that one day we'll be able to do this in real life with you guys. We'll be able to meet you at a pub or a bar or whatever after a game. Hopefully, really... Uh, review things in the way we've done, have a, have a beer, have a laugh, uh, be a bit more informal than the podcast, but that's our bread and butter. If you're not already subscribed to the pinkin.com Norwich City podcast, and please do, any ratings or reviews, always very much appreciated. Pinkin.com, main place to go if you want the latest Norwich City news and analysis. Our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, we're on all the channels. We try to bring you as much Norwich City news and views as we can, and that's where we'll be on Saturday. We hope. Our accreditation hasn't actually arrived yet, has it? But we're, we're assured all will be fine. The John Smith Stadium, that's where it'll start. Thank you very much for joining us. Good night. Stay safe. We'll catch up with you very soon. Producer Tony, if you could bring us to a close. Thank you, Facebook. Thank you, Zoom. We'll catch up with you all very soon. Thank you, gents. Thank Bye-bye. you, everyone. On the ball, City.